long time ago, on my home planet of Gallifrey, there lived a stellar engineer called Omega. Stellar? As in stars? You mean he engineered stars? Ace! Oh, sorry. Go on. It was Omega who created the supernova that was the initial power source for Gallifreyan time travel experiments. He left behind him the basis on which Rassilon founded Time Lord Society. And he left behind the hand of Omega. His hand? What good was that? No, no, not his hand, literally. No, no, it's called that because Time Lords have an infinite capacity for pretension. Mm, notice that. The hand of Omega is a mythical name for Omega's remote stellar manipulator. A device used to customise stars with. <laughs> and didn't we have trouble with the prototype? We? They. And the Daleks want it so they can recreate the time travel experiments. But you said that both Dalek factions can already travel in time. Oh yes, Daleks have got time corridor technology, but it's very crude and nasty. And what they want is the power that Time Lords have. And they'll get that with the hand of Omega. Or so they think. And you have to try and stop them. No, yes, I want them to have it. Eh? My problem is trying to stop Group Captain Gilmore and his men getting diced in the crossfire. So, all this is... Is a massive deception, yes. episode is late by seven whole days This episode is late by seven whole days And I'd like to blame anyone but me I'd like to blame anyone but me Cause this episode is late by seven whole days And it's not my fault this time Didn't think of lyrics before I started playing I thought I started playing And I'd think of them as I went And I'm trying to work in toxic gossip Train into this song would make it a TARDIS And the lyrics aren't coming to me So I'm just kind of talking at the minute Give me a second, hang on, here we go This episode's by seven days And this time Hop aboard the TARDIS gossip train, I guess that kind of works, this is even a still irrelevant <laughs> meme. <laughs> uh, there we go, that's the song. <laughs> yeah, uh, this, this intro is going to age like milk in like a year from now. Because <laughs> the meme is it's still... already like fucking... The meme is like still relevant. Like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, my mind, usually I'm pretty good at coming up with lyrics on the fly, and I feel like the song started well, and then quickly fucking crashed into a train. A toxic, a toxic gossip train crashed into that song, and fucked it completely. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, yeah, the episode's late, sorry. Uh, 
<laughs> anyway, uh, Les, uh, welcome to Who Watches Who, a Doctor Who podcast with me, Matthew, and as always, I am joined with... <laughs> Hello, I'm Scott. Uh, and this week, we are concluding our look into Remembrance of the Daleks and concluding our look into Classic Who Crazy. for the year, which is wild, absolutely wild, because it feels like Classic Who has just completely absorbed this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the benefit, I would say, actually, because, like, our numbers have been really good this year, and we've only really covered Classic Who, so, oh God, you when, know, maybe Classic Who's You know, more when popular. this episode comes out, our last episode will be at 400 views, I, I reckon. It's insane yeah, it's how insane. high of a number we have. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be really funny because I really doubt that this episode's going to get the same <laughs> algorithmic push we'll the first episode got. You know, we'll so, see. You know, I just I like to I like to to hedge my bets on disappointment because then I'm always pleasantly surprised. Um, so if this gets more than three views, then I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> really low. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yes, no, we are we are looking at parts three and four of Remembrance of the Daleks. If you didn't listen uh, to parts one and two, you had two whole weeks. What the fuck was wrong with you? Uh, go back <laughs> and listen to parts one and two uh, before we start parts three and four. That song put me in a weird mood. Uh, <laughs> let's jump straight into part yeah, three unless uh, you've got something be, to say. Yeah, before we jump into part three of Remembrance of the Daleks, we have a little writer's corner or director's corner Ooh. this week. Our director is Andrew Morgan. And this is another classic Doctor Who director who started off wanting to act. Like, if, if you follow most of the classic Doctor Who act, uh, directors, they all wanted to act for some reason, and they just wound up being a director instead. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he got into the RADA, yeah. which is the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, where he did two years. Uh, one of his classmates was Anthony Ainley, who was the master in the 80s, who we haven't actually covered yet on this show. Um, and he was no, just... No, never. We, we've he... only... Yeah, go Master-wise, on. We've, we've only covered the the first one, haven't we? We've not seen any other classic... Yeah, uh, we've masters, done the yeah. first one. We've done the... Uh, what's his name? Um, Robert. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Robert. Robert. What's his first name? Robert. Oh, 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 Eric Roberts. Yes, yeah, Eric yeah, Roberts, and we've also done John Sim. So, three. Yeah, I, I, I was speaking specifically classic Who, <laughs> Doctor Who, not the movie or the okay, or fair. the fucking new Who. Okay, <laughs> fair. Um, and he was just arriving. He just arrived to the class as John Hurt was leaving. So, he was classmates with a master, and he was just he just arrived as a doctor at start. Ev was leaving, so it's. <laughs> Kind of wild. Um, he thought the only success he could have in as, a, as an actor is through character parts, but he didn't want to wait till he was 40 to earn any money, so he decided to get into some behind-the-scenes work instead. Uh, he met his wife in 1967 and wound up moving to London and working on the BBC as an assistant floor manager. He then did the famous BBC director's course, which pretty much obviously all of classic Doctor Who directors did. Um, I wonder if it's still part of a BBC to do a director's course. I, I was about to say, I, 
I, I, I, I don't know if that's even a thing the BBC still do, but I feel like they should bring it back because, like, getting into the industry is, like, 15 times harder, or if not, like, a thousand times harder than it even was back then, you know? Yeah. Uh, and opening up a course like that could be a really good way of getting in fresh new talent. Yeah, but, uh, you know, the BBC is just so tight on money these days, famously. Who isn't? <laughs> His first gig as director was to direct an episode of Sutherland Law in 1975, which I've never heard of, uh, which turned out to be a difficult experience because the lead actress in that show had a heart attack on that day when he was recording, so... Nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, that's not good. Uh, So he wound up finding consistent work for decades and worked on things like Blake 7, which we talk about a lot in this show. (laughs) We need to do an episode (laughs) on Blake 7. and that's what we say every time we say Blake, every time Blake 7 shows up we're like we need to look at that and then we move on with our lives like, <laughs> uh, he did an episode of uh, he did episodes of Drama Rama and Knights of God in 1982 he was approached to ask to do Time Flight which is a Peter Davison story but he was busy that day uh, Time Flight is an episode who which, which stars Anthony Ainsley as the master so he would have worked with his old classmate uh, famously, uh, I'm trying to vague. I vaguely remember the episode "Time Flight." I'm I'm pretty sure the master did a racist caricature in that episode. So, uh, good eighties <laughs> sensibilities. How oh, brilliant! Uh, the first episode of Doctor Who actually did direct was in season twenty-four, the season before this, with "Time and the Rani." Um, Sylvester McCoy's very first episode, and he claims his first task for the episode was to cast the role of the Seventh Doctor. So he was apparently the guy who cast Sylvester McCoy, which is kind of wild for, for like, the first-time director of one episode to just cast the Doctor. (laughs) Yeah, that is, that is crazy. Um, imagine that happening nowadays. Like, yeah. <laughs> some director from a random episode is like, oh, by the way, this is the Doctor now. Yeah. And, like, you know, Russell T. Davis and Chris Chibnall or whatever, like, they don't even have a say in it. It's just this dude's like, that. Yeah, this is the guy. And everyone's I'm... like, what? <laughs> what do you mean this is the guy? Like... I mean, I presume John Nathan Turner and whoever was... I, I don't even know if there was a casting director on Doctor Who at this time. I know very little about be- the behind-the-scenes process of 80s Doctor Who, but... I imagine John Nathan Turner had a hand in, obviously, casting Sylvester McCoy, but the fact that Andrew Morgan was involved in the casting is kind of wild. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. For so, sure. He, on time with Rani, he wasn't very happy with his work on that episode, so he was glad to get a second chance to pr- properly do an episode, and I would say this is a much better directorial, di- di- directorial um effort on his part <laughs> uh, to prepare yeah, for this yeah, no. story he watched all seven parts of the first Dalek story and he also skimmed through a few more stories I think he skimmed through basically all of the stories that were available at the time um, this was his last Doctor Who story there was speculation for years that he was banned from returning because he apparently overspent during this story which with all the explosions going off and all of, it, all of that, it feels like it's in a very expensive episode. Yeah, it does. 
Uh, but it's been disputed several times that it doesn't make sense for him to be banned because, you know, that, that, that never happens on television, in, in on the BBC anyway. <laughs> it, it, you would never get banned from directing again from just overspending money. It's not really a director's fault. It's more of a... <laughs> well, I... It's it's kind of like an everybody's fault at that point because mm-hmm. the, the director is in charge of everything, but producers are also supposed to help yeah. with budgeting and making sure things stay on track and, you know, telling the director, hey, maybe we shouldn't spend all that money on sunglasses. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, if, if you but don't also under- it's just yeah. like it's just like a n- nature of the business as well. You know? Yeah. If you don't understand that reference to sunglasses, uh, two doctors apparently we spent loads of money on this guy's sunglasses, which really is shocking. <laughs> it was like two hundred quid or something, wasn't it? Like, yeah, <laughs> it <was> ridiculous. Like... <laughs> um, Andrew Morgan also made a cameo in Silver Nemesis alongside other directors, and even um, the guy who plays the Brigadier, whose name is escaping my mind at the moment. I'm bad with names. Um, Nicholas Courtney. Nicholas Courtney also makes a cameo in that episode. I mean, after Doctor Who, he directed several episodes of EastEnders, Heartbeat, and a few children's shows like the 90s Famous Five series and the 90s Worst Witch Show, which I probably recognize as... Uh, um, I would probably recognize as directing more from the Worst Witch because that was my jam as a kid. That was like my Harry Potter... Uh, did you ever see The Worst Witch? No, because I had uh, friends. So, <laughs> never. never uh, <laughs> it was a very good CITV show, which was basically like a young witch going to boarding school. And uh, J.K. Rowling was like, hey, that kind of looks decent. I'm going to copy that. <laughs> <laughs> Was it was it live action or was it a cartoon? It was live action. I think it had like two spin-offs as well, and it's also that's that's probably probably why I never watched it as a kid. I was not into kid shows that were live action. Mm. I thought they were cheesy as cheesy as balls. Oh yeah, I wasn't a fan of live action shows as a kid either. But like the worst, which was like the one of the rare live action shows I actually watched because it felt cartoony enough because it was about magic and shit. So yeah. It also it also has like a CBBC reboot now. It's still on the air, I think. So it's it's a very popular series of books, which I never read the books, but TV show was decent. Uh, is he, CBBC still on the air? Is, um, it is. is, that, is that going... I think it's going away next year, which is sad. really sad. I know it's depressing. Is, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Andrew Morgan wound up retiring around. 2009 and he is currently 81 years old so he's not one of the directors who died very very young <laughs> he's still alive he's still with us at least good fingers crossed we haven't cursed the man <laughs> good stuff uh, do you want to jump into episode three now i suppose it's about time how we yeah. watch episode three of remembrance of the daleks what they're not landing a spaceship here. Here? No. They're much too far from the main action. You're sure? Oh! Ace, get into the window! Calculate 
episode begins where we left off last episode with Ace being surrounded by four Daleks screaming exterminate at her. Uh, but not actually firing because I guess they all needed to reload. Uh, and it is <laughs> futile, however, because the Doctor and a bunch of army men come in and blow up the Daleks and save Ace. Uh, and that, well, they, they, they save Ace from death. Nobody actually goes to check on her. Uh, they just kill the Daleks and then start investigating said Daleks. And they look inside the blown up top half of the Dalek and a weird, like, arm comes and grabs the doctor's throat which then gets beaten to death by blonde lady who i don't remember at all from the other two episodes i'm assuming she must have been there um yeah she, she was. wasn't just randomly inserted <laughs> into this episode but i straight um, up don't remember her um apparently uh, the actress who plays allison this is her, her like first proper major role on television she does decent enough i think in this episode yeah, she's she's a you know about on the same level as everybody else performance wise. You know she doesn't uh, she doesn't seem like nervous or like awkward or anything like that. Fits the fits the role. Uh, but she kills the thing grabbing on the Daleks onto the Dalek onto the Doctor's neck, and uh, the Doctor's like, "Huh, these guys have mutated again. These are these are different than the other Daleks we saw." And uh, science lady whose name I don't remember either because it's been. A long time. Uh, it's like, oh <laughs> yeah, the last she she says she she says a heap of science stuff where she's like, you know, oh yeah, the other ones they kind of had like tentacles. These ones don't really have tentacles. It's uh, oh, these are different Daleks. Interesting. Which is really our first clue for our heroes that there is two factions of Daleks going on. Yeah. Us as an audience kind of already know that because they've been talking about it in the previous episodes. But this is basically mm-hmm. full on confirmation as to why there are two Dalek factions. You know, these are two different mutations of Daleks fighting one another. Which is uh, which is really is cool. When... Yeah, which is really cool, because again, in the modern era, you just kind of forget that these are mutated creatures. Because yeah. a lot of the time, they're just too robotic, in my opinion. I've said this before, but, you know, you just uh, sometimes forget there's like a creature it's inside why... who's all mutated and disgusting yeah. and... <laughs> It's why I really liked Jodie's first New Year special yeah. with the Daleks because you know there was a Dalek outside of its cage. What does the Dalek? How does a Dalek survive outside of mm. its cage? It's like, oh yeah, it's a weird squid guy, isn't it? And it was focused on it being a weird squid guy. Um, yeah, I, rather I, than I, it being I, a killer robot. I fucking loved that episode because it was like a horror episode. It was really, yeah, it was really effective. Apart from the scenes where it got intercut with like Coronation Street level drama with uh, ryan and his dad <laughs> yeah but still it's like i i definitely think it's up there as some of jody's yeah. one of jody's best episodes um, yeah we need, we need to cover that in like but, 20 years or whenever <laughs> yeah there's there's a lot to cover uh but then ace is like hey no one said my name in a while uh as we cut to ace uh, on the floor asking for help as everyone runs over to her and they're like oh my god have you died are you okay uh and the doctor gives her a bit of a telling off uh and basically is like you know you've got to be careful with time travel it's a good thing that your boombox got destroyed because if they got hold of that it would mess up the timeline you know even daleks aren't stupid enough to mess up the timeline <laughs> cue cutting to the daleks as but, they are, but uh, the doctor the doctor uh, telling her off for the boombox at this point is very strange because you know episode one you should have been like about, fucking yeah. fucking leave that in the tardis <laughs> like don't play it in yeah. public <laughs> 
I guess he was okay with it as long as like she had hold of it. You know, if yeah. she was just listening to music, he's like, "Fuck it, okay." Because like, there's no way you're gonna listen to me, but we can deal with this. But you know, if you lost it, then we're being a bit of shit. You know. Um, it also it reminds me of an episode of American Dad where there's time travel involved and they accidentally leave like a best of a disco uh, cassette tape in the, in like the sixties or something, and uh, Roger the alien uses it to kind of introduce the disco craze in the 60s instead of the 70s and he becomes he becomes a big hit like a millionaire and then disco's dead immediately (laughs) (laughs) uh we then cut to it's been it's been a long time since i watched american dad um great show great i remember it being the most it's still on the fucking air it's amazing yeah i remember it being the most consistently good out of family guy season show and American Dad. I, I always remember enjoying American Dad more. Um, maybe I'll rewatch yeah. it at some point. I think for, I think we're just uh, about to start season eighteen, which is incredible. <laughs> damn, Seth MacFarlane, man, he makes long-lasting shows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we we then cut to the Daleks as they're like, you know, it's a very short scene. It's just a Dalek at command center being like, ah, oh, be prepared to attack Daleks, blah blah blah. But it's a really cool set, I think, of the inside yeah. of that Dalek ship with the it's it's almost TARDIS-like with the big dome overhead uh, and the flashing lights mm-hmm. and stuff. It feels futuristic-y. It's also very funny to me that they're orbiting the Earth and on their map is only the United Kingdom. Uh, there, there's no other countries they're interested in. There's nothing else, you know. It's just a map of the UK, which is the most Doctor Who alien invasion map you could possibly have. Like, yeah, it's, it's it's like that meme where um it says, "Oh, this is what aliens see when we see Earth, and it's just America." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this is that version yeah. of the meme. But yeah, the set is really great. Like, it looks. It doesn't look cheap. It looks decent for what it is, and it looks big because everything's all black. It looks much better than this is obviously this is obviously filmed in a studio, like you know the seed, like all yeah, all Doctor Who episodes. Uh, are, was but... it? Wait, wait. It was it wasn't filmed on a spaceship. What do you mean it was filmed in a studio? Like, uh, this like... is something that we go back to a lot. But if you go back to the Sea Devils, their home base. You could just see it was set in a studio. We do a good job of hiding the fact this is a studio. Yeah. This looks like it's an yeah. actual spaceship. Yeah, Sea Devils was was very much <laughs> theatre uh, yeah. with, with a stage that you were watching. Uh, Same with the we then three doctors. To... Yeah, god damn, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we then cut to the doctor and everybody else looking at the teleports again. Uh, and they're like, what do these do? And the Doctor's like, they teleport the evil Daleks in to come kill us, but I don't want them to do that yet because we have a whole episode and a half to go. Uh, <laughs> and then he smashes smashes up the machine with a baseball bat, which which leaves you the question of why didn't he do that immediately? You know, yeah. instead of, like, because before he messed with it to make the Daleks insides and outsides <laughs> teleport to the same place, which, again, doesn't make sense. But, you know, he, he messed with it to do that. Like, why bother to mess with it like that when you can just smash the machine and actually stop it working? And that way you don't have to worry about Daleks teleporting in and stuff like that. And then the episode still continues where you get chased by a Dalek. Why, why didn't you smash it to start with, Doctor? You're an idiot. Absolute yeah. idiot. Uh, so I've kind of lost the thread and the plot, to be honest with you, a little bit. 
But I think now, <laughs> I, I think that now he knows that there's two Daleks. His plan has changed significantly. Before he wanted the Daleks yeah. to get on, to, get back to Earth, and get the Hand of Omega because whatever reason but we'll if find you, out soon. If he what if if he wanted the Daleks to do that, why did he bother to murder that first Dalek? I don't know. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> it's been two weeks. I completely forget. <laughs> <laughs> uh but we then cut to a the nazi guy uh walking through a graveyard and he sees a gravestone with a pair of testicles on it <laughs> yes um, it's, it's, it's a classic I, symbol for omega <laughs> it's uh i i don't know i've seen the omega symbol before <laughs> and i've seen a pair of testicles before and this to me looks a lot more like a pair of testicles <laughs> than it does the omega symbol you know, like I feel like the Omega symbol is usually a bit more round than this is. This is very. This has got that little like curved indent. You know. True. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, he finds the gravestone and he basically stares at it like, "Haha, lovely." As we cut to a diner uh, with the doctor and everybody sitting. Uh, also, actually, hang on. That Omega symbol's upside down. Is it? And uh, like, yeah, because the omega symbol is like an arch. No, it's it's a lowercase omega symbol. L- you get a lowercase omega symbol. Yeah, I I just googled omega symbol and it gives me the uppercase and the lowercase. Oh, yeah, the uppercase is lowercase kind of like is, almost is, a circle. Yeah, the uppercase is the one that you know omega from. Lowercase is like uh, it looks like a W, uh, or mm-hmm. in this case, a pair of testicles. Yeah, <laughs> it's really weird that they would use a lowercase symbol. Yeah, uh, for a name on a gravestone. Mm. Why would you do that? Because it's the hand of Omga, but Omga is a proper noun, so it should have a capital I, letter. I, because I, it's I the don't name. know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Why did they do this? What was their thinking? Uh, but yeah, we cut to a diner with the doctor who's sitting around thinking. Ace gets bored about uh, all the thinking that the doctor's doing and goes to sit with the boyfriend that, or quote unquote, like soon to be boyfriend. She's kind of flirting with, uh, but he's definitely a Nazi. Uh, and he introduces them to Paul and John, which yep. I feel like are just two <laughs> random names they chose for two white dudes. But it is also the '60s, and there is yeah. the Beatles. Uh, you know, and these guys are in military uniforms, though, which kind of, you know, I guess the whole Beatles, Beatles vibe, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of fun if that was intentional yeah, or not. I imagine it could be, an, it could be a reference. Maybe the writer was a big Beatles fan. Who knows? Um, yeah, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Uh, but we then cut back to Nazi guy who's digging a hole uh, before cutting over to the Daleks who are like, oh shit, we found the hand of Omega because that's what the guy was doing. He was like, he's like sticking like a tube yeah, or like he, a pipe down. He's, yeah, he uh, sticks a pipe down the hole and it transmits a signal to the Dalek spaceship because um, you can see like a cartoony yeah. lightning effect over the pole. <laughs> it's very that, that wasn't real lightning <laughs> that wasn't real lightning first it wasn't a spaceship now it's not lightning what the fuck is this episode about <laughs> yeah uh, they should they should have me. harnessed the power of lightning <laughs> for this episode <laughs> 
but they say that they need to inform the Emperor Dalek, uh, which is a big dun-dun-dun moment. What the fuck's an Emperor Dalek? Um, yeah. Of course, As... we've met the Emperor, we've met an Emperor Dalek in New Who, uh, yeah. which is a little bit different than this Emperor Dalek. Yeah. Um, um, so before this, there was an Emperor Dalek in the Evil of the Daleks, who looked. It's, it's different to the this is uh, the, this, this one is different to the one seen in Evil of the Daleks. Uh, this is more based on the TV Twenty One comic strips that were famous in the sixties. Um, obviously, the, the Emperor Dalek we're more familiar with because we've seen we're more familiar with uh, modern who is way bigger, yeah. <laughs> way bigger, and way more like open and ha- like has this big tank in it and yeah. stuff like it's it's more way more imposing looking the emperor dalek in this episode goofy guy oh I, goofy looking <laughs> guy with his with his big big bulbous <laughs> fucking head like, oh i i i love it because it's just a classic callback to 1960s comic strips i, I really like it yeah it definitely you can it feels like a drawing yeah. like it, it it's straight up like it's like a one-to-one from a like a drawing uh but it uh it is it's still goofy as fuck um, um but of course we can talk we- about the spoiler the big twist right now because we might as well um so this is why last episode i told you i i kind of hinted towards the the other leader dalek person you know the one in the chair in the bicycle helmet yeah i kind of hinted that was yeah. done for us to you <laughs> did i get you, you? did <laughs> like did i trick uh, you I I will never admit <laughs> to anything. So there you go. So uh, uh, just to, yeah. j- just to drop some uh, trivia for you, um, the voice of the Dalek leader in the last episode, of the bicycle helmet one, was voiced by John Leeson, who's more famously K nine. That's K nine. <laughs> oh, interesting. And, and he was given directions nice. to do. V- basically a terry malloy impression and apparently it was so, so, such a good impression that uh sylvester mccoy thought it was actually terry malloy but obviously terry malloy is playing davros in this episode but at the end of it because because uh the davros reveal doesn't happen in this episode at the end of the episode terry malloy is credited as roy tomley which is an anagram of <laughs> terry malloy which is fun <laughs> that's fun that's funny um it's the davros davros being the emperor dalek is both fun and very silly um yeah you know it makes it makes sense from like if you were to look at davros as a person like he would like the daleks would almost pressure him into this final upgrade yeah. he'd be like okay but i'm the boss one like i'm the cool guy i'm the emperor dalek um i like though that he's still isn't full dalek like he's still got his fucking human side <laughs> uh like he was like i'm like we accelerate you guys to mutate but like not me like i'm gonna stay i like do that i like my face you can stick a bigger eye on me but i'm gonna i'm still yeah. gonna be half human uh just it's 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 very silly um it also 
you know, makes Davros's timeline even more interesting where he starts off as like this like scientist dude becomes emperor and then like the Daleks revolt at one point and like don't like him and then they kind of like him again and he's in charge again and then like he's just like fucking trapped in the basement or whatever of the Daleks and <laughs> becomes the lowest of the low. Uh, what a tough time being a Dalek is or at least being Davros. Um, <laughs> Daleks just don't like you. Like, Yeah, the Davros time... Yeah, the Davros timeline is very confusing because he just keeps popping up and, you know, the last episode he was pro- presumed dead and then he keeps popping up and it's like, wait, how did he get from here to here? It doesn't make any sense, logically. And you have to you have to fill a lot of uh, logic holes, <laughs> really, <laughs> to make it work. There, um, my, apparently uh, this... My, my mind twist, flashes... Sorry, you're breaking up. <laughs> Uh, my mind, my mind flashes back to um, what Moffat used, to, what Moffat said when he brought Missy back, um, which is like mm-hmm. one of his favorite moments in Doctor Who is whenever they would kill off the Master in an episode, and then he would just appear in the next episode and say, "I escaped." Yeah. Um, like and so he did that with missy and it this is a very similar vibe with davros where it's like okay none of this makes sense i guess you just keep you just keep living and you keep being okay from everything that's going on like it's just doctor who villains always escape like <laughs> yeah uh, you know it's doctor who logic where one episode the big villain dies apparently and then they come back it's, a, it's been a thing for ages <laughs> like um you know a, a, a big debate has been had about where the Sasha Dewan master fits in, but I don't yeah. give a shit. I do not care. <laughs> because obviously it's, it's two different entities of the character of the master. Whereas with Davros, I, I kind of want to fill in more of the holes about how he survived, you know? Because it's, yeah. it's the same character, essentially, even though it may be played by different actors it's still the same character yeah. so it's it's weird but doctor who canon is yeah, very see, strange <laughs> yeah no i get that because davros is like a mortal man you know yeah. like he's just a regular he's like a dude whereas the master is straight up like a god you know time lords are essentially gods mm-hmm. that can change their bodies and live forever so you can get away with oh i escaped i'd use my magical powers i mean the doctor literally teleports in episode one of this story yeah <laughs> like, um, and, and but, he, he he even fixes i forgot to mention this earlier but he even fixes uh, ace's hurt leg in the episode just by rubbing it basically yeah. he's, he's basically like jesus <laughs> yeah uh jesus's famous ability of teleportation uh but yeah no i i get that with davros just being a regular dude and like i usually have a problem in media when it's like there's no consequences and villains just Mm. like continue to live and nobody like death is never permanent because i like to have death have meaning you know like if you're going to kill a character off make it be impactful don't backtrack mm-hmm. and bring that character back in an episode's time um but doctor who gets a free pass for me simply because it's the best show um and <laughs> is it that's that's it yeah you, you complain about <laughs> it most of the time i think we all complain about because doctor it's the who best one the time. <laughs> because it's the best one and we hold it to a higher standard mm, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the episode then continues as we cut back to the diner 
And what did you say her name was? Lady in brown shirt? Uh, her name is Rachel. Rachel. Uh, Rachel goes on an extremely impressive yeah. rant um, to not the brigadier when the brigadier's like, why Why are you at this job? And she's like, I, I didn't choose this job. I was drafted into this job and I've been forced to do X, Y, and Z. And you, yeah. I'm getting no respect for anything that I've dedicated my fucking life to. <laughs> so I'd like you to back off. Uh, it's a really good rant. I don't super get the point of it being in this episode other mm. than to give her some character, but I'm there for it. I really liked it. Like <laughs> uh, The fact that they even give her a character is enough for me to be happy because we've covered how many classic Doctor Who episodes where the woman character basically makes a cup of tea yeah. <laughs> you know literally sometimes literally <laughs> like. but you know the fact that she had to give this speech um i presume uh there was there wasn't many takes there's probably like three takes at most and she gives this yeah. speech it's incredibly passionate it's incredibly there's no point where the flow breaks where or, where she forgets a word or something she delivers the speech perfectly it's a really good performance from her yeah, it really is. Um, it's just a fun scene in general. And we then cut to a creepy little girl, the same creepy little girl that's been following the doctor around the school, seemingly the only student that goes to that school, <laughs> as she skips up and watches uh, Nazi man and his mates dig up the the uh, hand of Omga. Uh, and uh, Nazi guy walks over and he's like, what are what are you doing? Uh, why are you here? She looks up into the sky. He looks up also, and we then cut to inside the Dalek spaceship yet again as we get our first proper look at the Emperor Dalek mm-hmm. with his big fuck off head. Um, <laughs> very silly. I also I really really appreciate how they didn't even try to mask Davros's voice. Like, at all. Like, every other Dalek sounds like a Dalek, and this dude just straight up sounds like Davros. He doesn't, he doesn't, he, like, barely sounds like a Dalek at all. Like, he's got a slightly, like, muffled voice with a bit of roboticism in it, but that's it. Other than that, straight up Davros. (laughs) Yeah. It's Uh, very Yeah, but, you know, if you're under the impression that the person in the chair was Davros, you would still be fooled by this because, you know, you're thinking the guy in the chair is Davros because that's the Davros chair. Yeah. Where did where did the little girl get the Davros yeah. chair from? I, I, I guess he, I, don't I know. guess Davros was pulled out of a chair or something. I don't know. <laughs> he, he 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 made her a chair just just for her. Uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, this will this will confuse everyone watching. And she's like, what are you talking about, Davros? And he's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but we then cut back as they, uh, the Nazi guys dig up the hand of Omega. Uh, and we cut off back to the diner. This episode, yeah, I feel, um... is possibly the most forgettable out of all four. Like, it's yeah. a lot of episode three padding, which is a classic problem in Classic Who. I don't think it's padding. It's more, oh, these are the new stakes, and we're building up to a big final, because they make a revelation of, oh, there's two teams of Daleks, and we have to build towards... Uh, Except they made the revelation of two teams of Daleks in episode two. Okay, okay. <laughs> I forget about Far Ahead. Okay, I forget. Uh, but one thing about that scene is uh, Radcliffe kind of looks around for the little girl, and the little girl is completely gone. Spooky. Yeah. 
Yeah, she's a, she's a creep. She's a big creepy girl. You know, the, the doctor I, I isn't mean, the only person big, who can teleport. What did he say? <laughs> I said she's not a big creepy girl. She's a little creepy girl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh... But yeah, we we cut back to the diner as not the uh, not the brigadier gets everybody to come on with him out uh, to go back to the school, and uh, you know Ace is like, you know what's what's going on, and the doctor's like, there's two Daleks, Ace. Have you not caught on yet? Mm-hmm. Uh, just just in case we haven't quite figured that out, uh, and uh, we then cut all, back er, again. Uh, there's also a reference in the scene. Give me a second for the correct quote. Uh, where Rachel, uh, Rachel says, I wish Bernard was here. Uh, rocket, uh, British rocket group's got its own problems. And this is a reference to Quatermass, which is a 1950s TV serial about astronauts who go out into space and they come back to Earth with an alien amongst them. And it's, it's basically kind of like Venom, mm. who kind of like takes over the body of one of the astronauts. And this is like a big famous okay. 50s serial that got multiple sequels, uh, a few film adaptations and stuff. I've never seen it. There but was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff in the 50s about aliens taking over people's bodies. You yeah. Know? Like that, like the thing, the original, the thing. Yeah, yeah. I feel like an invasion of the body snatchers was in the fifties as yeah, well. Like there, so, yeah. there was a lot, there was a lot, a lot of, <laughs> of sci-fi about aliens possessing people in the fifties. Something in the water back then. Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we then cut back again to Nazi guy with all his pals taking in the hand of Omga uh, into uh, like a warehouse or whatever. Um, and he gets on a telephone call, uh, and we then cut to uh, the school where we see uh, Ace's soon-to-be lover, uh, but definitely 100% a Nazi, being told that there's a phone call for him. Why could there be a phone call for him? I wonder mm-hmm. if it's the guy we just saw on the phone telling him that they're, they've got the hand of Omga. Um, we then cut off to the doctor and Ace walking up into the school yet again, um yeah just uh, the doctor shit. and Ace really? are They're having talking a conversation about yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah okay uh the doctor yeah this is a line i have to explain um the doctor asks <laughs> why we call the general leader chunky um originally there was no dialogue in the scene and sylvester mccoy thought the scene was boring so he suggested keeping uh, he suggested for the line keeping an eye on group captain chunky gilmore um, although wise men call him Chunky, I have no idea. This was an inside joke. In the script, uh, Gilmore's gun was referred to as a Chunky revolver, so the director would tell Simon to bring out his Chunky. <laughs> so oh, on set, okay. he was nicknamed Chunky Gilmore. That's <laughs> the as right, inside that... joke. It's, it, <laughs> it's a joke that only two people would understand. <laughs> incredible incredible uh like you would have to be on the set of this episode to understand the joke yeah no that what i appreciate most about that scene uh and about that story is sylvester mccoy looking at a scene where they have to walk in silence and going (laughs) that's boring as fuck let's do something interesting and at least have a conversation i wish i wish 
everybody else in classic Doctor Who said something like that, <laughs> it would make the show so much more fun to watch at times because the amount of silent walking we have had to endure <laughs> in our <laughs> watch through of classic Who has been absurd. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, a famous one if you're new to the channel is in the Hand of Fear, where Sarah Jane Smith walks through. A power plant oh for about God. two and a half minutes in just pure silence. It feels silence. like ten. It, feel, it feels like ten. Like, <laughs> Amber's like 30, uh, 40, 30 to 40 shots of just her walking. She's outside the power plant. She gets inside the power plant and she just keeps walking and walking. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> top tier. Top tier stuff. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's how boring but, it is. He, just thinking about it makes you just yawn. Just thinking about it, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we then the scene with uh, the Doctor and Ace uh, gets very good once they head into the school and go to the stairwell. When Ace starts questioning, asking questions about who Omega is and what the handoff Omega is, and Sylvester McCoy is like, "Okay, here's some lore stuff that we're definitely going to pay attention to in Doctor Who and never." ever uh, <laughs> contradict or like forget about ever again uh, and he explains that the hand of omega is not actually the hand of omega uh, like it's not like the literal hand of omega it was the name for the tool that he used uh to create various like stars or whatever or rather yeah. the tool that we used the doctor said and then quickly correct himself to they uh which is a fun bit because he's referring to like the first time lords essentially yeah um he's, yeah, it's he's... it's a fun bit of like ooh, who even is the doctor this is a bit of mystery it also does play into flux i'll give chris tribunal that it does yeah. play in to flux you know with with the infinite um amount of doctors and the doctor is way older than we even suspect and they've been doing all this weird timey-wimey yeah. nonsense things and so they have yeah. a secret life like like that that does work it does work for me yeah he's, he's talking about the early days of time lord civilization before they become time lords even because we're obviously this is when omega 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 is creating omega <laughs> is is creating the device that could travel through time because obviously for the three doctors which we've covered last are you year, being murdered by seagulls right now <laughs> <laughs> do you hear <every> seagulls <laughs> yeah that's fucking crazy loud <laughs> uh but yeah uh when we did the three doctors we discovered that uh basically omega is the person who created time travel and this scene seems to suggest that the Doctor was there when they did time travel. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this this kind of contradicts previous episodes for multiple reasons, but uh, this is part of a Cartmill master plan, which would have involved the Doctor's mysterious past getting out in the, in the foreground a bit more to make the Doctor more mysterious, because... A lot of the mystery of the Doctor was lost for multiple years in Doctor Who. Uh, the book actually mm-hmm. gives us a scene where Rassilon, Omega, and an unnamed Time Lord, which obviously is the Doctor, discover time travel. Yeah. Uh, Rassilon and Omega both think it's a magnificent achievement, while the other Time Lord thinks it may be a terrible weapon, which is a really good scene. I really liked the scene. It's really cool. <laughs> it's... um. I, I, I like the the adding of the mystery into the doctor's lore. Um I I, I get 
I totally understand how the Doctor could have lost mystery, especially at this point yeah. in Doctor Who, when it's been on the air for like 20 odd years and they've been like, okay, these are the Time Lords. This is what the Doctor's up to. This is exactly what the Time Lords are like and what the Doctor's rules are. And, you know, they've delved so deep into the lore of Gallifrey and stuff like that, that the Doctor's no longer this crazy, like weird science guy. He's just like, yeah, okay, you're a Time Lord, dude. We get it. And adding this bit where it's like, maybe he's older than we think. Maybe he's been like, you know, involved with Time Lord yeah. history deeper than we even know. I really like. Um, it does add some fucked up stuff with the timeline even still to... Well, I guess, does it? Because in Flux... I'm going to try and make sense of this. Okay, so... <laughs> so, in Flux, uh-huh. we see... We see that the Doctor comes to Gallifrey as, as a child from a mysterious portal in the sky. Yeah, I think uh, this and is, then they this get is like the end of ex- series twelve. But yeah, go on. Yeah, but they get experimented on and turned into, <laughs> like, they, their power for generation gets given uh-huh. to the Gallifreyans, and the the Time Lords like caste system is created. Um, and then I guess from there, growing up, the Doctor um in one of their previous incarnations perhaps discovered time travel uh and was then like the formation of um uh division happened and they yeah. they set out to go off on various time travel missions and doing all this time travel stuff as a weapon as what the doctor feared it it would be used as because this is the you know the time lords doing evil time lordy stuff then at some point, the Doctor goes on the run as the Fugitive Doctor mm-hmm. because they don't want to be involved with Division anymore. Uh, they fuck around with Jodie for a bit before, I assume, at some a certain point, getting caught uh, by again by Division or by the Time Lords and being forced to regenerate into a child uh. and having their memories wiped. And then that child growing up with the Master looking into the time vortex where the sound of drums gets put into the master's head uh and then the doctor that version of the doctor possibly regenerates again because the doctor has hinted at growing up as a little girl not a little boy but in the episode with Mm. david tennant uh we see it as clearly as a little boy so maybe he like bashed his head off a rock or something (laughs) uh and and so that that kid then grows up to be hartnell who but the the only blip I've got, so and then like the Doctor Who's t- story happens, and you've got like the season six B Doctor and whatever. Uh, but the only blip I've got there is how does Sylvester McCoy's Doctor remember being back with the Hand of Omega? Um, if that happened before the ty- the division stuff happened, because the Doctor has their memory wiped by their mum slash division so they wouldn't remember creating time travel with omega that's the one <laughs> the one blip that i can't quite make sense of right now okay <laughs> yeah that was a lot but I th- the problem with what chris chibnall did was he revealed way too much by showing and not telling you know uh this is in this episode remember the dialogues is just a little hint about the Doctor's mysterious past, whereas in yeah. The Timeless Child, we, we learned way too much. Uh, and it kind of... We learned a lot, yeah. And it retroactively creates so many plot holes. 
Like, just like, okay, let's ignore the timeless child for once. Because we bring up the timeless child on almost <laughs> every podcast at this point. Let's ignore it. It's because I'm still trying to make sense of it. I'm still trying to make sense of it. It's such a big fucking deal. Like... Let's pretend Doctor Who ended in 1989. There's no more Doctor Who. There's no books, which also okay. contradicts the canon heavily. Uh, the yeah. one blip that creates a contradiction that I can think of is when John Pertwee meets Omega in The Three Doctors. He doesn't acknowledge him as kind of like a co-worker. He kind of acknowledges him as like a mytho- mythological... Myth- I can't say the word. Mythog- mythological. Mythological figure. <laughs> Myth- mythological. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of speak. That's why I leave you to do most of the speaking. But he kind of sees Omega <laughs> as an, a mythological figure rather than like a co-worker, which, which, yeah. which is where the contradiction comes from. There's no recognition between Omega and the Doctor. That's only that's the only hole I can see. But going back to maybe sh- going may- back maybe to- oh. maybe hang on hang on hang on I can I can answer this plot hole for you maybe right. Maybe Sylvester McCoy, when he's referring to, like, we uh, helped develop this, like, maybe he was involved in the creation of the hand of Omega with Omega and the other Time Lords, but maybe he was, like, the, like, guy that got the coffees, you know? Like, he's part of the team, but he's not directly involved in creating the thing. He's there to make sure everybody is, like, refreshed mm. and ready to go. So he never really got that one-on-one interaction with Omega. He always kind of wanted it, uh, but he, he didn't quite get it. And so he, he's always revered Omega as, as this, like, fucking godlike being. Because um, he's like, fuck, I got that guy coffee that one time. That was fucking <laughs> crazy. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the implication is the Doctor was working with both <laughs> Rassilon and Omega. And yeah, it kind of co- contradicts things a little bit, but he can kind of forgive that because this is indicated in just one line of dialogue. He can kind of wave it off, you know? Yeah. Uh, this season also introduces like the arc of maybe the Doctor being Merlin because in Sir- Silver Nemesis, he meets a lady from like the 1400s who keeps referring to him as Merlin so the indication is that the doctor is actually Merlin, <laughs> because the indication That's fun. is fun. I kind of like that. I, you know, the doctor is kind of magic, as indicated in episode one or two of his story, where he swaps seats. So you can kind of see where <laughs> plus, the Merlin I mean, thing like, comes from. <laughs> plus, like you know, the doctor getting bored and going back to like medieval times and just yeah. like like using regular technology and medical science, they'd be like, "Holy fuck, you're a wizard!" <laughs> He's like, yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what I, I what I do like about this scene is, it's again, it's just one line. It's it's not a entire monologue given by Sasha Dewan, where it's just like that was like a ten minute scene giving the Doctor's background and showing it to us. Yeah. In great detail. Here is kind of just, I, I guess, it's something we can make fan theories of rather than it being just given to us. Yeah. <laughs> Which, which yeah, again that's a- true. adds um, more mystery. It adds more mystery to the character. Whereas when Sasha Dupin gives the massive speech, it kind of takes away the mystery because we know the Doctor's origin now. <laughs> it's kind of ruined. Yeah, the uh, it's 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 a weird it's a weird choice to reveal I, I i assume the idea behind it is to reveal the doctor's origin but then to have even more questions 
So yeah. you're like, you think you're getting an answer. You think you're getting an answer, but really you're just being given a bigger mystery. And to, to, on, on one side, that's true because we talk, we have talked about it every fucking week for like two years. <laughs> what, what it means, like, how does it fit? What does anything mean? So I, I guess that, that, that kind of works, but it more, it's more like a frustrating way of trying to make it work because it feels so obtuse and yeah. out of nowhere whereas like a little line like this makes you go "Ooh, that's fun what does that possibly yeah. mean you know rather than like wait you're breaking the canon here hang on fucking slow down like yeah. <laughs> you know even when snake man was revealed as the person who originated <laughs> unit that also creates so much contradiction it's, it's <laughs> like chris chibnall did a lot of fan service fan wanky shit that i don't like because it's just too heavy (laughs) you know he did do he did do he did do a lot for sure off i had these ideas when i was a kid watching doctor who and i'm just gonna write them in like what if unit was actually made by an alien and what if the doctor was actually like space jesus and yeah. you know what if this and what if that and now it's just canon now like there's been like that's like there's definitely ideas that worked and ideas that were cool time lord cyberman that's fucking rad as fuck you know yeah. like uh there, there, he definitely has good ideas mixed in there it's just it's a lot of ideas at once <laughs> like, like I, I, I don't even mind the timeless child as a concept but you could have kept it a mystery, and I would have been completely fine with it. We wouldn't discuss it every fucking week. Just keep it as a mystery, <laughs> like a big, like just a, just mention it offhandedly once or twice, you know. Keep it a mystery, and we'll, yeah. we'd be fine with it. I have no idea what Andrew Cartmill would have done if there was a season twenty-seven or season twenty-eight. Like he could have fucked up the show completely in the same way Chris Chibnall kind of did, but. As it, as it stands, this throwaway line, as well as multiple episodes where a little bit more of the Doctor's past is revealed to us, is great. It's I, I really like more mystery, because, you know, the show's name is Doctor Who, who is the Doctor, and adding a bit more mystery is completely fine, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I think it's fun. Uh... Uh, but we then cut to Nazi guy and his friends as they're loading the coffin off the truck. The episode continues with the Nazi guy and all his mates as he's like, we fucking won, lads. Let's just sit back and kick our feet up. Uh, another victory for us. The Daleks will be on their way. We've sorted it. And then suddenly his best pal Davros turns around and reveals <laughs> themselves to not be Davros, but to instead be the spooky little girl. Uh, just kind of yeah. vibing in the chair with the motorcycle helmet on, and it's really ridiculous. That like, there's no <laughs> like covers or like any like it's just a regular yeah. chair that kind of looks like Davros's seat from the back, but not at the front. Yeah, and it's not like he's only looked at the back. Like he's been around the side. Mm-hmm. He's like he would have a hundred percent seen that that's not Davros. That's a little girl. Uh, like, yeah, um, Rathcliffe. Just... Ratcliffe has walked into this room about four or five times in this story, and he not (laughs) once noticed that a a nine-year-old child has been sitting on that chair the entire time. (laughs) Yeah. It's, Mental. It's, it's very funny um it's it's very funny as well when she takes off the helmet because when she's got the helmet on she's got davros's voice yeah and then when she takes off it she's still got davros's voice for like one or two words before it goes into <laughs> the girl voice and uh, very funny it's ridiculous um 
And what's even more ridiculous yeah, is his performance. Um, because, like, he's suddenly, like, oh, a cartoon yeah. <laughs> character scared. And then, like, fucking Daleks come in and he's just frozen, like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, his, his hands are kind of doing the clutch motion towards his chest. And he's just yeah. terrified. <laughs> he's shaking. Uh, yeah, his performance does yeah. turn into a cartoon. Also, um, so, yeah, a band... Ben Aronovich wasn't exactly sure what he wanted from this twist. Uh, he he was he wasn't sure why the girl was pretending to be Davros. He didn't want a twist with no point, and he was too busy dealing with deadlines to really consider this for a while. So it was really like a, it was really a twist for the sake of having a twist. And then he came up with a solution of it uh, basically being a battle computer. Right as he's writing this scene, you know the doctor comes in later on. And he reveals that um, the little girl was chosen because she has imagination and she has creativity. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why she has to be wired up to a battle computer, which is uh, really silly. (laughs) Really weird. It is really silly. It's not quite as silly as to what the battle, like the the time machine they have. Like the battle computer (laughs) is very silly with the, the motorcycle helmet and whatnot. But the mm-hmm. time machine tool thing that they've got, that is the plasma ball, that if you stick your hands to it, you get bits of, like, plasma, like, lightning striking your hands, and it's, like, all cool, and when you're, like, six years old, it's the fucking most yeah. insane thing you've ever seen in your life. Um, but it's it, that's what the Daleks have been using. So we've been missing out, Scott, for the past fucking 20-odd years. We've had the power of time travel literally at our fingertips... And we've just squandered it. We've just completely squandered yeah, um, it. Yeah, they're using plasma globes to travel through time, which is wild. Um, plasma globes, fun fact, were invented by Nikola Tesla. So, yeah, uh, future guest star, That's Doctor fun. Who, invented plasma, invented yeah. time travel, basically. <laughs> uh, uh, they weren't as popular when this episode was filmed but like a few years later it immediately became like a novelty item that you would just buy for your like your relatives that, like for birthdays and shit like i gave a plasma globe to my friend a few years ago it has like a skeleton hand grabbing onto it oh that's cool that's it, it, fun. It's, yeah it's, 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 a, it's a fun novelty item and you get sick of after like an hour but they're fun <laughs> You, you get you get sick of like touching it, but I can see it being like a funky makeshift lamp, you know, to give your yeah. you give your room a bit more of a vibe at nighttime rather than just like a regular lamp. It's like I'm gonna turn mm. on the plasma ball and have the lights go oh, all bzz, bzz, bzz. like we we said this in the Dalek movie, but you know the Dalek the first Peter Cushion Dalek movie has the Daleks with uh, lava lamps as the only furniture yeah. in their yeah, yeah, spaceships. Yeah, yeah. I, I want a lava lamp. They're so cool. We used to Lava lamps one. are great. Lava, lava lamps are great. Uh, my friend got a lava lamp recently, or I say recently, like fucking like last year. Um, and it's uh, it's a vibe. They they they're like I hadn't had I hadn't seen a lava lamp since I was like yeah. a kid, you know. Uh, and and they just you appreciate them more as an adult. I think not enough people own that lava lamps, like. Yeah, my, 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 in my head, I'm thinking two lava lamps at either side of my television. Oh, fuck. Yeah. You now better we're talking, chill out. Baby. Fucking two lava lamps. <laughs> Holy fuck. Your mind would explode. <laughs> I, 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 I still, I still, I'm kept up at night wondering why the Daleks in the Dalek movie had 
just the one lava lamp in their uh, city. <laughs> it's, it's like the only furniture <laughs> they have. One lava lamp. <laughs> they're, just, they're, they're just out of vibe. They're just, yeah, just out famously, of vibe, man. They're all, all about fascists. peace and love, Daleks. Like, <laughs> yeah, famously <laughs> fascists are always greedy dudes. <laughs> so, uh, the episode continues as we see some very nervous Daleks. They're, they're really... <laughs> really nervous about being on camera and they're a bit shaky and a bit like yeah. oh fuck i hope i don't i hope i don't mess up maybe don't mess they've up. had a bit um, too many shots of courage you know what i mean when you know yeah too, too yeah. much alcohol to encourage themselves a bit too much because they're just <laughs> wobbling all over the place my dude <laughs> they are it's 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 honestly a ridiculous how wobbly these Daleks are like it doesn't look like they're moving on wheels like it's straight uh, it looks like yeah. someone is just like walking like they're they're just like going doot, 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 yeah it reminds me right, of when you know, like... you know when you're at school and you're just bored and you're on the computer chair and you just kind of move around on the chair with, with your legs and you're just kind of wobbling around all over the place <laughs> it kind of feels like that yeah it's it is very silly it's... It might, um, it, it's honestly probably the only weak part of the episode, I would say, because it really takes me out of the episode anyway, just to see those these Daleks just kind of wobbling around here, kind of aware of the limitations of the budget and the time restrictions, and you're just watching the actors inside the Dalek costume desperately try to move her weight around as much as possible to kind of keep them balanced, but it, it doesn't work. <laughs> It doesn't work at all. It's uh, it's hilarious, and it is it's genuinely it's genuinely hilarious, <laughs> and it's what it is. It's one of the few parts in this story, I think, as a whole, where the budget lets it down. Yeah, because I think they manage the budget really well in this story, where you don't really feel the yeah. low budgetness of it. Like the the like the only thing that's letting it down besides this is the fact it's shot on tape and looks like shit. You know? <laughs> like <laughs> if it like if they if they shot it on if they had the budget for like film and stuff, this would yeah. be a fantastic looking episode. And the only thing letting it down would be the wobbly Daleks. Um because yeah. like even the effects they do at the end of the episode, which we'll talk about with the spaceship, like that looks fucking fantastic. Yes. You know? Um yeah. Uh, it reminds me, um, Tip Tippin, when the, the stunt coordinator, when he joined the team, his only concern was, oh, this is shot on tape, so all of my stunts might look like shit. Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> tape might not be the best method to film your show in. It, 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 it kind of looks blurry and shit. <laughs> Maybe not the best yeah. format. <laughs> Uh, but they end up hiding inside like this tent bit at the back of a truck um, and eventually making their way um, back around to the school. They bump into Ace's boyfriend guy with a bunch of soldiers and they all turn around and go running on back to warn people yeah, that the Daleks are coming. There's a comedic point where the doctor's inside of a tent and he's about to sneeze and he has to stop himself. That feels more like a season 24 seventh doctor because mm-hmm. starting from this story, we've got a more conniving seventh doctor rather than the bumbling fool he was presented as in season 23, season 24, sorry. And I, I prefer mm-hmm. the darker, mysterious seventh doctor because it's much more interesting so it's a bit of an interesting thing to watch the two 
Seventh Doctor's kind of clash in a way because the sneeze kind of <laughs> takes this. The sneeze kind of feels like a cheap joke in a way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it it doesn't bother me so much. Um, but I I do also prefer darker Seventh Doctor. I think he's more interesting when it he's like, but like I like that like he tries to be this like goofy yeah. fun guy, but he's got this edge to him where yes. he will he's like just he's mean spirited at times. You know. Um, my favorite um, thing about this episode is um we I forgot to mention it earlier because we were just too caught up in talking about the timeless children again, but in that scene on the staircase. Ace is really impressed with the, doc- with the Seventh Doctor's conniving side, which will bite her in the ass in uh, Curse of Fenric, which we've already covered at the end of the episode, where the Doctor basically abuses Ace's trust at the very end of the story, if you remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which yes, yes. was a huge emotional moment for Ace. <laughs> you know, it's interesting how they kind of carried on, you know, the Doctor's. Uh, the doctor and ace's trust in each other and how they kind of turned that into a plot point i kind i really like the consistency in terms of ace's character even i like because ace feels like a proper character and another thing i forgot to mention last time was in the scene where ace is in the house and she sees the no colored signs i imagine it kind of uh, brings back horrible feelings to ace because in season 26, it is revealed that when Ace was in present-day London, uh, she was at her friend's house, her, her black friend's house, and she was in the house when the house got attacked in like a racist attack with petrol bomb being thrown through the letterbox. And this, must, this was a horrible event for Ace to go through. And I imagine, you know, you could put it like a retcon kind of thing, that she was thinking of that moment when she saw the no colored signs just the horribleness of like racism you know because this is revealed in season 26 so it's interesting just watch the early signs of a story arc being uh, carried on with a companion in the classic era who you know the companions in the classic era don't usually get too much character and it's nice to see ace have some character you know (laughs) Yeah, I I agree completely. It's I really like Ace as a companion. I think she's definitely one of my favorite uh, classic Who companions, and I really really like her relationship with uh, Sylvester McCoy's Doctor. I think it's uh, some superb stuff uh, that they they really handle well. And it's a shame that this is where Doctor Who ends because yeah. it really does feel like it's getting back on track. Yeah, you know where it's like, oh wait, hang on, we we've, we've got something here. We can do something with this, and it's over. You know, yeah. like I it was. Uh, yeah. I, I struggle with a lot of John Nathan Turner era episodes because most of the 80s Doctor Who kind of feels mostly like a pantomime, whereas, you know, season 25 and 26 beca- begin to feel like a proper TV show again rather than just a comedic, over-the-top pantomime. Yeah. I say that, but the very next episode is the happiness patrol is very much a pantomime but <laughs> it, it, it seems, get... the happiness patrol seems like a vibe it seems like a cool <laughs> vibe <laughs> we should cover it someday it's it's, it's, a, it's fun i kind of like the happiness patrol it has deeper themes than just a big pantomime episode <laughs> i bet i think it would be my favorite episode ever <laughs> um <laughs> uh, there's like a there's like a puppet dog that's evil is it's fun <laughs> amazing uh but this episode continues as they run back into the base and um 
Ace's boyfriend starts talking about the hand of Omga, and uh, the doctor's like, "How the f how how did you know about the hand of Omga?" And uh, he, you know, he's like caught right he's like just fucking stunned and he tries to come up with the best excuse he can he's like uh fucking ace told me and then ace never says no i didn't she just goes to hit him she's like you fucking you lying piece of <laughs> yeah. shit uh i i goes to absolutely floor him the doctor holds her back and she's like he he's a he's a lying traitor this dude he he ratted us out to the daleks he's been working with them i feel like he gets off too easy in this episode when the brigadier's yeah. like what what what's going on he's like i didn't know they were daleks and he's like oh okay that's fine get in your fucking way like you know that yeah. doesn't seem like an appropriate punishment for someone that ratted you out to the ultimate killing machine <laughs> accidentally or not like yeah uh, this is kind of like another story arc that was kind of like a casualty because of the deadlines he ben Ar aronovich wasn't really sure where the character was going as he was writing and obviously the deadlines are just too tight and he he couldn't figure it yeah. out really it's as his that's that's what he says anyway i i think it's fine enough you know it's it's trying a bit more character arcs than you usually see in classic doctor but yeah it, it does need a bit more it, it needs makes a bit more of a conversation yeah, because i I, th I think it makes his character less interesting. It's more interesting mm -hmm. when he's doing it on purpose to undermine everybody. It's less interesting when he's like, oh, I didn't know they were Daleks. I was fucking, I'm sorry. Like, like, why the fuck were you yeah. doing it then? Were you just working with the Nazi guy because you're like, I like this Nazi? Are you like, <laughs> why are yeah, you, I mean, why, why, why? In, the, in the book, it's kind of like... It's kind of like revealed that Ratcliffe is kind of like a father figure to Mike, and that's why. He kind oh of yeah, yeah, falls yeah, along, yeah. He's indoctrinated with like the na uh, with the Nazi stuff. Um, yeah, it's not really yeah. presented well in the show because we're just kind of working together for no reason, seemingly. But it's, there's at least a reason in the book. The book is pretty good at giving more motivations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this episode then continues as we cut off to the Daleks uh, approaching the Earth in a very nice-looking shot. Again, very Star Wars-y. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, the Doctor's like, the Daleks are never, you know, they're, they're not going to land here anytime soon. We've got time to <laughs> figure out a plan and get things sorted out. And then all the Daleks start retreating, and Ace is like, fucking, they're running away, bunch of cowards. Um, and she, she yells out, uh, what does she yell out to them as, as they're running away again? Wimps. She yeah. calls all the Daleks a bunch <laughs> of wimps, which is a very, very 80s insult and a very Ace yeah. insult. I like it a lot. It's fun. Um, but and then you know the 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 Dalek ship comes landing down and it's it's very good miniature like that miniature I feel like you could stick it in the Doctor Who and the Daleks movie and it wouldn't be out of place like well, it, they did a fucking standout job with it. It's interesting that you say it's a miniature. It's actually a full sized prop. Like <laughs> what it's, a waste it's, um... of money. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, the writer the writer was invited on the filming of it of. Uh, location that day and he was expecting it to be like a cheap green screen effect but they actually got like a massive crane we built this huge prop it looks really cool it's really impressive i don't think it's a waste of money because it just obviously we need the prop the no it's cool episode. it is cool but i but i mean like budget wise you could do it with a miniature <laughs> like <laughs> uh, but... 
But it is cool. I'll give them that. It is cool (laughs) that they built a full-size fucking spaceship for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it it does add so much more to the episode when you know for sure it's it's a full-size prop and not... I'm sure a miniature would be cool enough. It would have have looked impressive, but the fact they went way out of their proportions to just do this, because it's the 25th anniversary story, you know? We we need a big spectacle, mm-hmm. and I think we spent the budget really well because it it, sh- it shows it looks really solid. The design isn't quite interesting enough. It, it um on its audio commentary, Sophie Sophie Aldred says it looks like a egg box, <laughs> which I can kind of I can kind of see where she's coming <laughs> yeah, from. Yeah, I can I can get that. Yeah, <laughs> but the fact again, just the fact we we got a huge crane and lowered it onto the school playground is really cool. <laughs> Like, I, I wonder what yeah, the kids it's... must have thought when they went back to school after this summer uh, with the knowledge that Doctor Who filmed there and there's a huge spaceship there and there's Daleks there. That must have been so cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, if, as lo- it would be cool for all the fucking nerds <laughs> who would then get beaten up for liking what a dorky show. Um... But yeah, no, it was cool. Uh, Ace also does a fucking insane stunt where she just, like, instead of going around the table, she just hops up on top of them and (laughs) jumps across both tables. Like, fucking Jesus Christ, those are slippy tables. Like, (laughs) uh, but then the episode ends in the most bizarre way, in a way that I was not expecting at all. When so everyone's like crowded down and like taking shelter, and then Sylvester McCoy looks up and looks dead into the lens and goes, "Oh well, I might have miscalculated that one." Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, And then it cuts to the credits. I was like, "Fucking!" I was not expecting the Doctor to break the fourth wall, but you know. And again, credit to Stephen fucking Moffat bringing like these this weird aspect of classic Who into modern Who with what he did with Capaldi when Capaldi was like fuck it I look into the camera I'm that doctor I'm the doctor that's going to break the fourth wall um which I really appreciate it's just those little touches that Moffat managed to bring in with especially in Capaldi's run with Missy and the master stuff and with Capaldi looking into the lens and I'm sure a plethora of other Mm. things as well um you know like even like Capaldi's outfit you know that's inspired by uh Stom Pertwee's one isn't it you know it's um uh, a lot of a lot of love letter stuff in classic Who and Capaldi's era, which I think goes unappreciated at times. Um, what what I like I about this cliffhanger is ninety eight percent of all cliffhangers are oh my god, this character is probably going to die yeah. in this scene, and then the next episode opens up with them immediately being saved. This cliffhanger is yeah. the Doctor has spent the entire episode trying to set up the events. So that he can, you know, he's trying to calculate all the events so he can be victorious. And then the cliffhanger is, oh shit, I might have miscalculated. Oh shit, what do I do next? (laughs) It really works. Yeah. It does. It does work. Um, it just, it like, I wasn't expecting it, and it literally made me go, <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> at the end. Uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun, and it's a solid enough episode. I think it's possibly my least favorite episode fair, yeah. in the uh the entire four arc story simply but, because it's you know it's set up, it's again it's it's the the third mm, episode let's set yeah. up everything for the fourth episode really quickly uh yeah. issue that they always fall into <laughs> but, it's, but you know it's still fine it's better than a lot of other 
preferred episodes, especially oh, yeah, like of course. Anime yeah, I love, World Part I love other episodes are the worst pieces of TV ever made. Like <laughs> Um, and also, now that we've seen all three cliffhangers to this story, I don't think there's a single weak cliffhanger. I think they've all been really effective. Like, I think, this, uh, I think, I think the second one is the weakest. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, episode two's cliffhanger is the weakest, for sure. Episode two's um, the weakest, but it's still decent enough. You know, it's, you know, all the Daleks saying exterminate, you might lose. Sylvia Audrey does ace in our very first episode. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> decent, decent cliff on this, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's fun. It's a fun time. Uh, but with that, let us jump straight into episode four and wrap up Remembrance of the Daleks. Ross, the hand of Omega is not to be trifled with. I think I am quite capable of handling the technology. I sincerely doubt that. Does it worry you, Doctor, that with it I will transform Scarrow's son into a source of unimaginable power? And with that power at my disposal, the Daleks shall sweep away Gullifly and its impotent golem of Time Lords! The Daleks shall become Lords of Time! We shall become all powerful! Crush the lesser races! Conquer the galaxy! Unimaginable power! Unlimited rice pudding! Etc. Etc. Wonderful! What power! What brilliance! You can wipe out the odd civilization, enslave the occasional culture, but you still want to track from the basic fundamental truth of your own impotence! <laughs> episode 4 begins where we left off episode 3 with uh, the Dalek ship coming down and the Doctor looking into the camera being like, oopsie doopsie, I made an oopsie. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, then the episode continues on as we see the Daleks emerge out of the Dalek ship, and this is where I think the you know the benefit, as you were saying, of them having a full-scale ship comes in because we can actually see real Dalek models come out of this ship. At like f- the one thing is maybe the roof is a bit low for that yeah. to be a functioning ship with Daleks in it, but uh, them coming out of the door like it looks yeah. really fucking cool. Like you get the the scale is almost exactly right. Um, also, the ship itself is just way too small to fit these many Daleks inside of yeah. it. I'm not sure. I can't... <laughs> I, yeah. it's Time Lord technology. They stole it from the Time Lords. It's bigger on the inside. <laughs> I, I can't remember how many Daleks exactly come out, but they basically did two sh- shots of these Daleks coming out to me, like intercut it so it looks like there's d- mm. twice the amount of Daleks. So they definitely planned around it and filmed cleverly. And it, yeah, just mm. it looks, it, again, just the whole prop looks great. It feels. You know, Doctor Who around this time was shot in such a low budget. It feels like we were just spending as much as they could uh, economically. Like, it makes sense to spend this much money on your 25th anniversary special. Yeah, it does. It looks it looks really cool. Um, and I'm a big fan of the white and gold Daleks. I think that they look fucking real sexy. Uh, which, you know, sometimes when you get a color-altered Dalek, they, they don't look great. So I'm yeah. thinking of, like, the Power Ranger Daleks and, uh, you know, stuff like that. But I, the white and gold, it's a it's a nice-looking design, I think. I, I would, wouldn't mind seeing them come back, perhaps. 
but we then cut off to Ace and her boyfriend guy that she was kind of flirting with. He turned out to be a Nazi working with the Daleks. Um, and he's like pleading to her like, hey, I didn't realize I was working with the Daleks. I just thought I was working with a Nazi. That's okay, right? Uh, and Ace tells him, no, that's not okay. What are you talking about? I don't like you very much anymore. Go away from me. Mm. Which I think is a very fair reaction for Ace to have. Her performance here is fantastic. Um, yeah. It's... It's, uh, I don't like the boyfriend guy. He's a total douche. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, that's a fair thing to say about a literal Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Sophie's performance here is really solid, and it's nice that we finally have a companion in classic Doctor Who who is finally able to explore emotions other than screaming and um, making yeah. tea. <laughs> making tea is a big that's... emotion. <laughs> Well, I mean, it is an emotion I have multiple times a day. It's, it's, oh, you need to make some tea right now. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not. It's never the most engaging to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, this this is really nice uh, to see a character actually have character. It's crazy to think that it took twenty five years. You know, there's been companions before Ace, obviously, that had some arcs and mm-hmm. some character stuff going on, but I feel like Ace is really one of the standout ones where it's like, oh, you, you've actually got depth and you've got stuff going on, you know, like, you've got all these trust issues with now your boyfriend guy, the doctor dude, the way you were raised, yeah. like, you know, it's Ace has got such a actual backstory and history behind her that you just don't find with so many other companions. Yeah, Ace is the first companion where the producers behind the scenes... In, where in the entire time we're thinking oh let's further the character of ace whereas you know before this you had characters like sarah jane she was such a strong character and eventually they were less interested in writing good character moments for sarah jane she could literally be anyone else like you know anyone mm. else could have been walking through that power plant and behind the fear <laughs> That, that's true. That, although I don't, I don't know if anyone could do it quite as well true. as Sarah Jane. You know, like <laughs> yeah, no, but I yeah, Sarah Jane's good. I like Sarah Jane, but I, I do, I really like Ace as a companion. I think she's got such an interesting dynamic. Yeah, and he, um, specific I, with and like I think Sylvester McCoy is the perfect doctor for her as well. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah, their chemistry together is amazing. Like we fucking told them to their faces. Well, you did anyway. Yeah. I could, I couldn't figure out what to say. I was too nervous. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a lot of people credit Russell T Davis for actually being the first one to write an interesting companion. But I think Ace is the first interesting companion, and then. Even Grace in the TV movie was interesting enough, you know, her double life between her job and her husband or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I don't know enough classic classic Who companions. Um, yeah, we've barely like, scratched the that... surface in this I know. show. <laughs> There's so many. They're like, like, every time I watch an episode and I'm like, oh, who's this person? What, what do you mean they're a companion? I've never seen this person in my life. I've never even heard of them. Like, there's just like a thousand different companions that have gone with the Doctor. Um, but yeah, God, there's so much Doctor Who. Uh, but anyway, this episode continues on as we cut off to uh, some Daleks under a bridge as the white and gold Daleks approach. And these are two warring factions of Daleks and they get into a firefight. And, you know, the special effects for this firefight have aged a bit. Yeah. They've dated a bit. But uh, I think it, like... 
it holds up in a way where it's still a fun action scene. Mm-hmm. Like, you can get over the shitty lasers they're firing and completely missing with one <laughs> another and just and just kind of get sucked into the, oh, my fuck, we're watching two Daleks fight one another right now. Uh, and it's it's really cool. The soundtrack is also fantastic throughout this episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, they do a good job of shooting around the limitations of the Daleks because, as we've covered many times, these Daleks can't move very well. So we're just standing here the entire time missing each other. And somehow it's interesting. It's not cheesy. It's not terrible. It's not something we laugh at. It's interesting. It's fun because there's good pyrotechnics going on behind the Daleks. And uh, two yeah. of the grey Daleks, they shoot one of the uh, white and gold Daleks. And it looks really cool. I like explosions. Things go boom. It's a- <laughs> It is. Uh, and as this is going on, we cut back to the Dalek mothership. Oh, there's even a good got... transition between the two scenes. As one <laughs> of the Daleks kind of shoots towards the camera and it, the camera kind yeah. of gets engulfed in light and then that's the transition to the next scene. It's really cool. Yeah, it is, it is pretty cool. Uh, as we go back to the mothership and uh, the Emperor Dalek, that's definitely not Davros, uh, is saying that they need to send in like the the weapon or whatever the fuck it's called i don't remember uh and it's basically the really it's a it's a really famous dalek model that i've seen before uh through things like doctor who magazine and stuff like that and i've never really placed it in whatever episode it's from uh but it's like the tank dalek where it's got like this like world war ii sort of like helmet as a head Mm. uh and then a huge cannon in the center that's surprisingly very intricately detailed like it looks fantastic and really well like worn and metallic and then it's got like the dalek body at the bottom uh but it's very dissimilar from an actual dalek itself it looks way more like a tank uh and it's it's just very cool yeah uh, we've seen this well you've seen this dalek before in asylum of the daleks but the basic yeah. premise of Asylum of the Daleks was, oh, you're, you're going to see every single Dalek model that was ever created. And a lot of the Dalek models are just in the background in dimly lit shots, so you can't really see them. <laughs> I think this is one of the models that were just in the background and dimly lit, so you can't really see it. So you've technically seen it before on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, in the in the script, the special weapons Dalek was written to look nothing like a traditional Dalek. It was described as like a floating weapons platform, which obviously was cut because it's way too costly. Because <laughs> you know, having a Dalek float around the entirety of this episode would have been, I don't know how much money, but <laughs> so expensive. Yeah, yeah. They got you know they got to have some budget left over yeah. for sunglasses. They can't <laughs> can't be wasting it on unimportant things. <laughs> but yeah, the the uh, the special weapons Daleks goes through the tunnel and shoots two of the grey Daleks. And just to give some context behind the scenes of when they actually shot this, it was an Easter Monday and it was the 60th anniversary of the uprising in Ireland, and the IRA was still obviously active around this time. And the two Daleks being exploded by the war machine caused a massive explosion. Apparently car alarms were going off for ages around the block. Uh, Dozens of people lived in flats down the street and they began to rush out in a panic. Fire engines had to be rushed out to the scene, according to Andrew Morgan, which I don't quite believe. He says there was 10 ambulances and 16 fire engines, which... (laughs) Slight embellishment, I think, on this story, but... (laughs) 
Yeah, but, you know, it was, like, three fire engines, but they, like, parked up <laughs> next to a wall of mirrors, and the, so it looked like a lot. Like... <laughs> uh, the, prime minister, uh, the prime minister had to be rushed in to give a speech about it, <laughs> to quell the fears of a nation. Every, every, every newspaper ran with a story saying there was a terrorist attack, and uh, the entire country shut down for a while. It was... I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's one it's one of those things that you know would never happen today yeah because we have much more regulation like it's such an easy fix as well like you just need to send out letters like mm. a month or so before you start filming letting people living nearby know that hey there's going to be some you know pyrotechnics going on nearby your house so if you hear something big and loud don't worry and don't panic it's just us filming and you know more importantly usually they just don't let off pyrotechnics in the middle of the street usually yeah. they like reserve that for like a studio space or they just cgi it yeah you know they they're they, there's very rare now that we are when someone's filming they go to a publicly used bridge and go all right let's just fucking drop them let's just <laughs> let off some like drop some like tnt you know like yeah. let's just blow this thing up and film it and then like if someone like will just deal with whatever happens afterwards at least we got the shot uh <laughs> speaking of have you uh, this is totally off topic but have you seen the most recent mr beast video <laughs> it's insane i <laughs> I have never seen a single Mr. Beast video. I, I really want to show you this video because it's insane how many things he fits into this one video. There's a train, right? And there's also a big, like, a big pit. And he has a train go down the pit and there's a massive explosion. He has tons of dynamite, TNT, and he explodes it all. And there's a he, he builds a house and he fills it with fireworks and he sets the whole thing off. It, 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 I, I, when I think of this episode and uh, the pyrotechnicians, I kind of think of Mr. Beast in this situation where he's like overly ambitious <laughs> and the thing is massive and it's like people who don't really have the experience of doing pyrotechni pyrotechnics yeah. and they shouldn't really be doing it because you know anybody could be dead <laughs> but oh yeah it's, a, it's an easy way to lose a hand but like. at the same time it's really impressive I like explosions <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah Mr. Beast video is fucking insane, dude. Interesting. Uh, I've never once... There's nothing that appeals to me about Mr. Beast at all. Um, so I've never never bothered to sit and watch one of his videos. I, I, I watch um, Mr. Beast more out of just fascination, just wondering how the fuck he gets his money, you know? Because... <laughs> Like five years ago, From... his shtick was he would sit in a room and count down, count up to like ten thousand, and that was his whole shtick. I mean, all of a sudden he's got like three million dollars to spend on explosions and uh, car blowing. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Beast is one of those uh, YouTubers that I dislike mainly for <clears throat> like they, he's partly like quite a large partly responsible for the trend of glorifying wealth on youtube mm. like like you know like we spent x amount here i gave x amount of money to this random person yeah you know where it's it's like look at my big mansion look how much money i've got look how much like how cool and better i am why don't you want lots of money you should have lots of money lots of money is the best um which i i think is just kind of gross mm. uh as far as like ideas and 
things go. Mr. Yeah. Beast seems like the least evil yes, of them, though. Yes. Like, you know, when you compare him to, like, Logan Paul yeah. and stuff, the other ones that have been glorifying wealth, like, Mr. Beast seems to be doing some decent charity stuff yeah. on top of it. Um, but still, he's part of the problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, that video where uh, he, he, he cures blindness and, like, 1,000 people or whatever. Yeah. That's insane. And that's... But again, he didn't need to film, but I, f- I feel like... I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of mixed on but it myself. If you film it, if you film it, it's a tax write-off. Like... <laughs> but yeah, at least, so he uh, at least he's back. trying to do some good compared to like a lot of our other YouTubers. Yeah, like those Who Watches Who guys. Those guys are awful. <laughs> oh yeah, we're millionaires as well, and we do nothing for money. <laughs> it's shocking. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, the the episode continues as the doctor decides he wants to be like Indiana Jones now, and he like swings yeah. <laughs> over a piece of rope like a lasso and ties it up to create a zip line. Yeah, um, apparently this he... was Sylvester McCoy's idea, and uh, he was very disappointed that he wouldn't be allowed to do actually do the stunt. <laughs> like I could just imagine Andrew Morgan being just just shocked at the idea of letting a main actor do a stunt imagine if he died or something you know like yeah, i feel yeah. so bad for uh christopher mcquarrie who does the uh, mission impossible movies like <laughs> just watching tom cruise almost die every fucking movie must be so scary uh, but yeah it's, it's probably terrifying but it's like did you did you see the uh video with matt damon talking about tom cruise um and he was like i was talking about tom cruise doing all the stunts that he does and i was like how did you like get someone to sign off on doing that and he was like i had this i like idea for a shot in my head for 25 years of me like scaling like i think it was for like four or five when he's like going like going like up a building or whatever yeah and he's like i i had this shot for 25 years and i was talking to us our stunt producer about like how, how our stunt coordinator even about how we can do it uh and he he says to me that if we're like we just can't do it it's impossible there's no way we're doing this it's so unsafe and so i got a different stunt coordinator <laughs> to <laughs> you know it's there's no stopping Tom yeah. Cruise. you just have to be like okay this is happening we just have to try and do it as safe as possible like, yeah you know tom cruise on films that seems like the most insane person ever but i'm sure off camera he's just completely normal you know <laughs> oh yeah famously a very normal guy tom cruise very normal guy famously uh, <laughs> uh but the doctor zip lines down into the alien ship into a very silly moment i thought where there's just a Dalek, like, piloting the ship that's like, oh, wait, shit, I'm stuck, help, I, I can't get out of my seat. Uh, <laughs> and then the Dalek, the Doctor, like, murders him. Uh, I like that when the Doctor's murdering the Dalek, he, like, mimics the Dalek's voice going, no, yeah. robot uh, Yeah, because the, the Dalek kind of shuts down and his speech gets yeah. slow. Um, yeah, and also the doctor is fiddling around with some Christmas lights that the Daleks apparently have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what these Christmas lights are or why. <laughs> I, I I assume that they're just they're they're the wires of the ship that yeah. were like I didn't short circuited them to electrocute the Dalek or something like that. But Daleks yeah. famously uh, love Christmas. Uh, have you ever heard? <laughs> I want to spend my Christmas with a Dalek. I've not. No. I I want to send you this video because 
Speaking of Daleks and Christmas, it has to be brought up. I bring you greetings from all Daleks. I'm gonna spend my Christmas with a Dalek And hug him underneath the mistletoe And if he's very nice, I'll feed him sugar spice And hang a Christmas stocking from his big left coat Why? <laughs> Why? Is my main question. My other question <laughs> is, did she say he had a big toe? Did she... Does, does the Dalek have big feet? Is, I'm, I'm not is, sure is about a, the lyrics are. New, new piece of Dalek lore. Also, like, why is she doing, like, the gross, like, <laughs> dumb girl, like, voice thing? Uh, it makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah, but this uh, was a big single in 1964, just a year after the Daleks appeared. <laughs> Some great yeah, stuff. Da- Dalek mania, man, but that's gross. But yeah, the lyrics are, I'm gonna spend my Christmas with a Dalek and hug him underneath mistletoe. And if he's very nice, I'll I'll feed him sugar spice and hang Christmas stocking from his big lead toe. His big lead toe. So he's got feet. (laughs) He's got, he's, he's got like robot feet. Under inside that <laughs> container, not wheels, just he's just little stomping around. And when but. we both get up on Christmas morning, I'll kiss him on his chromium plated head and take him in to say hi to mum and frighten daddy out of his bed. <laughs> Lovely, it's it's gross, it's 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 really gross. The way she's singing reminds yeah. me of the the episode of Community, uh, the musical. Oh, yes, episode I know Community exactly what you when. Mean. <laughs> Yeah, when uh, Annie's trying to like <laughs> convince Jeff, and she's she's putting on that dumb, dumb voice, like <laughs> it's it's uh, it's gross, it's gross. Great episode, uh, but we uh, the episode itself continues as we cut back to Nazi guy, uh, who's just kind of sitting there, and his guards like, "Do you want a cup of tea?" And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the guy goes off to get a cup of tea, and he's like, this is my moment to escape. And what I really liked here is when he, like, confronts his guard. His guard's like, ah, oh, come on. Like, <laughs> just go, just go, come on, don't do this. Just go sit back down. Come on, what, what are you doing? Don't come do on, this. we have like, 20 yeah. minutes left of this episode. We have it's... to wrap up. We can't have you escaping and start a new yeah. subplot. <laughs> it's like, like, just chill out. Like, just, come on. Like, your punishment's not even going to be that bad. Come on. Uh, but they get into a fight, and this guy, uh, the Nazi guy that is, he, he beats up the guard and he gives him the good old classic back smack um presumably killing him dead um because that's a that's a fatal move as we've as we've learned um but uh then we cut back to inside the dalek ship with the doctor and now everybody else has come and join him uh where they're looking presumably they all used the zip line as well just off screen (laughs) yeah i i would imagine so would you take uh, a zipline or would you be terrified? I think I would be terrified. I've I've done I've done ziplining before. So have you I, but I was fucking terrified. Yeah. <laughs> Screaming oh, the entire oh, I, time. I thought it was quite fun. I quite enjoyed ziplining. Um, <laughs> I have a fear of heights, so, yeah. ironically enough. See, I, I don't I'm not a huge fan of heights either, but like zipline didn't bother me. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I just felt secure in the harness, but mm. doing it without a harness maybe a bit more spooky. But you know when it's when it's life or death and you're fighting Daleks, I feel like you're running more on adrenaline than anything mm, true. else. 
So, like, you'd probably be able to do it. Um, but uh, they they look at the Daleks' plans and are like, oh, they're heading. They've got plans to head back to their ancestral home. Uh, let's go continue exploring through the ship, and they jump on down further into the ship as we cut off to Nazi guy who's um, like surrendering to the Grey Daleks, saying that he's got a yeah. message for them. That these are the the not good or i mean there's no good daleks but these are the other faction of the daleks which ones are the genetically modified ones and which ones are the original daleks i don't i, I don't remember i don't remember myself i think it's the i think it's the white ones that was genetically altered because right. they yeah. were the ones that almost exterminated ace last episode or at the end of episode two and you know the, yeah. the doctor looks inside and was like oh there's extra bits of blobbiness here so I think it's the white <laughs> ones that are genetically altered. Yeah. Uh, but then we uh, cut back off to the Doctor and everybody climbing out the ship. And the Doctor basically says, I've, I've put in a tr- listening in device to their communications. So we'll be able yeah. to spy on them and, and see what they're doing uh, before we cut back. The entire time Nazi- he's trying to get his umbrella out of the door because it got stuck. Yeah, it's stuck. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, as we cut back to the Nazi dude with his Nazi pal... Um, and the creepy little girl that's also under the control of the Daleks for some reason. Uh, And, you know, they're like, why are we doing this? Should we we do anything? Like, should we just run? Should we give up? Like, why are we helping out the Daleks right now? Um, And this is when things get really, really silly, I think. Mm. Uh, Because, like, everybody finds out that Nazi guy escaped, and we cut back to them, and they're like, fucking... Like, we're just, the Daleks are like, let's just murder these dorks. We don't need these guys at all. Uh, as they try to steal the, like, time machine device. And then, like, the little girl suddenly has lightning powers. <laughs> and, like, Palpatine. lightning powers, <laughs> light, lightning powers the, the, na- the older Nazi guy. But, like, when she's doing that, she's, like, full-on corpsing the entire time. Like, she is trying <laughs> so hard not to laugh because she's like, this is ridiculous. And so she has to... Because obviously for yeah. her, you know, she's like, what, like seven, eight years old? <laughs> and she's she has to pretend to be like, yeah. And they're like, you know, and like that's a ridiculous thing to do. So she's trying so hard not to laugh. Yeah, she's doing and her the best. Guy, like, the guy falls down on the stairs in the most ridiculous way. <laughs> and, like, there's not a second that I believe he's actually dead. Like, he is he is not a good acting as a corpse at all. <laughs> like... uh, but, yeah, I just thought of a thumbnail for the episode. It's little girl doing the lightning thing, but it's Palpatine. I'm not sure how you could do it, but... <laughs> just, just Palpatine <laughs> as the little girl in a skirt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I try, I guess. Uh, there's also a big explosion at the gates of this little area they're in. It's like a yeah, huge explosion. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the gate was part of ITV's storage. This is like this was owned by ITV, and the explosion was so massive it broke windows, completely destroyed the gate, and melted the two Daleks behind the gate. <laughs> so oh my again, god. Just... Who was in charge of, expl- of rigging the explosions <laughs> on this episode? And why did they want to murder everyone? It was Oppenheimer. <laughs> Oppenheimer was in charge of explosions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the uh, the episode continues as we do. We do transition quite nicely from that explosion because it like encapsulates the entire frame. Yeah. Uh, and that and then we transition into darkness where we've got the Doctor and that. Uh, just rigging up. He's covered in Christmas lights again. 
you know uh <laughs> but this is this is where we get a actually pretty decent explanation about uh why the daleks are fighting one another and you know the overall like m- um message behind this episode where ace explains that the the daleks are fighting because one of the globs has been like in- altered into a different glob and so they're like slightly different from the other globs and those globs now don't like each other and it's <laughs> You know, it's it's essentially like a race war is happening yeah. inside in in the Daleks, and you know this is plays into the larger themes of the episode that have been about racism and prejudice the entire time. Um, and I I think it was quite a good explanation. It's like on the nose without being too mm-hmm. on the nose that you're like, oh okay, I get what message you're trying to say. Like I think they handle it quite well. And Ace's yeah. like uh, way around of explaining it using like globs and globiness is very funny. Yeah, um, like, yeah. Ace having to explain it simply for viewers is the best choice because also ace i I, i'm not saying ace is simple but she's more she's human she's not time lord Mm -hmm. she can't explain it in the most complicated terms so she's going to explain it as simply as possible and it's the best choice for because usually the companion is the person who asks all the questions and the doctor gives the exposition but here ace gets to give some exposition in a way you know is it obviously it's not needed exposition because we as viewers know what's going on but, you know, this is part four and maybe people didn't tune in the last three weeks of his story. So time to catch everybody up for what's going on. Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty good. There's also a, another continuity problem in this yeah, episode yeah. Um, where the doctor is like rigging up this machine and the lady's like, how, how do you know how to rig up alien machinery, doctor? And he's like, oh, it's really easy when you have 900 years experience. And like, uh, excuse me. How old did you just say you were, Doctor? That, that, um, okay, because... the thing I... So in the time in the Rani last season, he said he was 953. Yeah. But saying he has 900 years of experience doing this doesn't mean that's his age, you know? I have two and a half years of experience of doing podcasts yeah, with you. Exactly, I'm not two but... and a half. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes you have the mentality. <laughs> but even even then like it implies the doctor is older than 900 years but that's even that's still a continuity issue oh, yeah. if you look at like david tennant's yeah. doctor and stuff like that who was very adamant that he is 900 901 <laughs> 902 like oh, God, I, I i get so annoyed with aging the doctor in real time it feels weird that's because... that's why i really liked when um uh goddamn moffat took over and he was like oh yeah the doctor is now 1200 the doctor is now 1400 the doctor is now 2650 (laughs) like it doesn't matter how old the doctor is at all (laughs) yeah the thing is it's being said in like continuity and like books and stuff the doctor simply cannot keep track anymore because he's a a time traveler and also there's so many adventures where he's gone through like mind loss and he get like yeah. we listened to that one audio drama with P- uh, christopher eccleston where he gets he gets turned into like a wooden statue and he's inside of himself First, for like a hundred years yeah, yeah. so he, he's yeah yeah so does that mean christopher eccleston's doctor survived a thousand years no it fucking doesn't matter who cares <laughs> like honestly if you include peter capaldi in in was it heaven sent when he's punching for yeah, the wall yeah, when he's he's there for billions of years. like <laughs> so, yeah it doesn't fucking matter <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't matter at all i i'd it's uh very silly um 
But uh, anyway, are we caught up now? I don't remember yes. where we paused it. No, yes. Yes, no. Um... Uh, well, we, we basically just see the Daleks slowly wobbling away. <laughs> <laughs> They're moving at like the... 0.5 miles per hour. <laughs> They are, and they've got the they've got the hand of Omga as well. They're 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 transporting yeah. the hand of Omga into their ship, um, which the the over the head shot mm-hmm. off it looks really bad. Like that's not aged well at all. Like yeah. they didn't have any shadows or anything in it. But the shot of it going into the Dalek ship that looks fucking great. Yeah, like it it like it like turns properly. It goes into the shadows. Like it it looks it looks superb. Uh, which you know, just some effect shots get more time to work on than others because just you know that's mm-hmm. how things work, really. So the episode continues as everybody's kind of on the move and waiting for the Daleks to do something. The Daleks fly away uh, and leave the planet Earth, uh, and we get a very cool shot of them going back up into the like mothership. It's 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 genuinely a really cool shot yeah. where they're silhouetted by this giant golden light of the like docking bay of the mothership. So you don't see the full scaled mothership, but you get a sense of just how big this thing is. Uh, I really, really, I think it's really well done. It's really, really cool. It's such a fucking rad shot as well. Yeah, um, it's, it's, yeah. The model work in classic Doctor Who is really solid as a whole. I reckon because every time there's a model shot, I'm like, whoa, that's impressive. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, like, almost immediately, the Doctor starts his plan, which is, like, have a FaceTime call with the Emperor Dalek, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, like, they start chatting back and forth, and the Emperor Dalek's like, oh, you're a Doctor, you've changed your face again, well, guess what, it's me, Davros, da-da-da-da, and he, like, takes off his helmet, like, the fucking... <laughs> dude from Spaceballs, you know, I don't remember the character's name, the big helmet, Darth Vader guy in Spaceballs. Lord Balls. Helmet, um, I think his name is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that. I get that vibe of Davros in this episode, uh, massively. Terry Malloy, uh, <laughs> Terry, Terry Malloy, Davros himself, describes Davros as a kebab with a flip-top barbecue for a head. <laughs> so, so, so the helmet is the, is the barbecue lid, and his face is the kebab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's very silly the davros this isn't the worst looking davros i don't think he looks that terrible like he's got a very like plasticky looking skin but he's like held together pretty well and he's he's like covered in wires his mouth is especially disgusting and black which I, i i think is a nice like very like good touch uh the biggest issue i've got is his giant eyeball like it lights up like a dalek does when it's talking but it's like, like, isn't that your eyeball? Why is your eyeball? Like yeah, that? I like... think that's. Well, I think we said that was uh, when we did Genesis of the Daleks a few months ago. We said yeah. that was very no intent of Davros was to have the light lit up in his head, but because of the technology, there wasn't enough battery to really work the light, so we scrapped the idea. Um, Davros wasn't even intended for this story, by the way. Ben Aaron Vitch didn't want him to be in a story because he had been dominating every Dalek story since Genesis. So, like, 14 years yeah. of Dalek story with just Davros at the center of it was a bit too much, so a break was needed. But then a member of the visual effects department suggested the reveal of the Emperor Dalek being Davros. And it's, it's, a, it's a nice reveal, but at the same time, it feels weird to have Davros so underused in the final Dalek story. I know it's spe- mass- massively underused, especially like the what happens to him. Yeah, like, where 
<laughs> like he just <laughs> runs away. Like, yeah, obviously this wasn't intended to be the last Alex story. They didn't know the show yeah. would be cancelled next year, but it's really sad that the only interaction Davros and Sylvester McCoy have on screen together is using a Discord call, basically. <laughs> it's a shame. <laughs> but, you know, uh, this morning we just got the trailer for the next piece of Big Finish's 60th anniversary series, Once in Future, where it's Davros wanting... Uh, Davros is a prisoner and he wants uh, the Doctor to basically free him. So that's going to be a fun story to listen to next in a few weeks. And Actually, no, it's this month. Maybe next. I'm not sure when it's coming out. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to listening wow, to that. that. That was that was informative. Now now I know exactly when to look out for it. Uh, <laughs> but but... <laughs> it might be out today. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, but they have a good... They have a good back and forth uh, where basically like Davros reveals that they want the Hand of Omega so that the Daleks can learn time travel and fuck everything up. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, there was you know, a line cut in this scene where it's, it's again part of Cardinal's master plan where Davros says, in the end, you are just another Time Lord. And the Doctor replies with, oh Davros, I am far more than just another Time Lord. You know, suggesting again, the Doctor basically invented time travel. Which is cool. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's that's a fun line. Uh, that he's got another great line where he's like, you know, what do you want? Unlimited power, unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. <laughs> I think that's a that's a really fun you know, doctory line. You know, I'd um, I'd be on board with Vidalix's plans if her plan was included with uh, unlimited rice um, pudding. Yeah, I'd yeah. I'd be on board. You know. <laughs> But okay, this is a real test for you now. How do you how do you eat your rice pudding? What do you mean? Like, what do you do? You have it cold? Do you heat it up? Do you add stuff to it? Well, how do you? How, oh, if you're yeah. having rice pudding, I, I, how I, do you eat I, it? I vary it, so there's no uh, one answer for me. I'm afraid. That's wrong. That's wrong. There is one right answer, and that right answer is cold, <laughs> with nothing else into it. You just you get the tin. You know, you could eat it out the tin if you're feeling like you're not doing dishes, <laughs> or you could put it into a bowl and just eat it as is. Don't heat it up. Don't add anything. It's perfect as it is. Rice pudding is fantastic. It's yeah. fantastic <laughs> as it is. Okay, uh, fair. <laughs> uh, as this is going on, we do cut back to Ace, who's back at the like house she was staying at, where Nazi boyfriend is, and he's got pointing a gun to her, and she's like, "Would you really shoot me?" And he's like, "Yeah, uh, probably." Uh, uh, but then uh, like as the Doctor and uh, Davros continue their back and forth uh, Davros is like we have the Hand of Omega ha 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 let's send it back to uh, Scarrow and have a really cool time and everyone will party and then they send it back to Scarrow and oh shit uh, it turns out that no one's partying and the Doctor was ready for this and now the sun has gone supernova and Scarrow's getting destroyed and they're all gonna die Uh, and uh, Davros is like have pity on me Doctor please save my life Uh, and uh, the Doctor's like I do I have I'm pity I I pity you uh, and I'm not gonna save your life you know like this is it like this like you're a pathetic person um and then it's a very, very funny um, 
Davros closes his his Dalek Emperor <laughs> helmet, and then and it's like sped up footage, yeah. like really quickly reverses out uh, off the ship and gets into it. And like you hear like in the like comms being like, "Oh, Escape Pod One has launched." Uh, so like Davros like escapes and lives, but like yeah, him scuttling away as quick as possible is fucking <laughs> hilarious. It's so silly. It it like, almost looks like YouTube. It reminds me about one. It really does. It reminds me of about one speech it reminds me of sorry one twitter post i saw shortly after we did genesis of the daleks where it's an edited scene from that episode where davros enters the scene he says i am nervous and then it cuts to him leaving the room because he's so nervous to talk to people (laughs) (laughs) that's great uh Uh, but yeah obviously sorry you you can go on if you want (laughs) No, no, no. You can. I was just going to continue because because I, what's, what's I have happening. a lot to say here. This is obviously oh. Davro. Uh, sorry, Scaro getting destroyed in this scene. Yes, which is yes. the first act of a time war, according to Russell T. Davis. This is the start of the time war. Um, he considers yeah. like Genesis of the Daleks to be like the kind of Cold War kind of thing to it, but this is the mm. official start to the official war. Uh, obviously, there's loads of continuity mistakes because Scarrow comes back in a TV movie where the Master gets executed on Scarrow. So what the fuck yes. happened there? And obviously, it returns in Asylum of the Daleks and the, uh, the Magician's Apprentice where uh, Peter Capaldi is on Scarrow and shit. So that's that's on a he's in like a Scarrow in the past though. Then isn't he? Because because that's when Davros is a kid. Oh no! In know. that episode, Missy claims they built Scarrow again. So I'm not sure. Oh yeah, they rebuilt. They re- they recreate the entire planet. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of weird continuity stuff with this. In an Eighth Doctor book called The War of the Daleks, they give an explanation that Dalek Prime found out that Scarrow would be destroyed but couldn't alter history. So they moved everything from Scarrow onto another planet 10 parsecs from Scarrow so that Davros <laughs> would believe it was Scarrow, which basically sounds like the meme from Spongebob where uh, Patrick Starr says, oh, why don't we just push Bikini Bottom over yeah. here? <laughs> yeah. We, we take it, we put it somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, weird continuity stuff. And another book claims the Daleks manipulated the timeline so that when Scarrow was destroyed, they rebuilt it immediately to erase the destruction of our home planet. Weird, weird continuity stuff. (laughs) That is strange, yeah. That's that's really strange. Um, But the episode continues? Yeah, the episode continues. Yeah, okay. Uh, This is what I thought was really strange. Um, Because with with Scarrow getting destroyed and uh, Davros running away, that feels like the end of the episode. Like, all our... Everything's tied up. We're sorted. But no, 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 no. We have five solid minutes left of this episode as we cut back to uh, Ace in the house... um, with her Nazi boyfriend guy, uh, as there's a ringing at the doorbell, and he's and you know he's like fuck, I'll, I'll go answer this door, see who's there. Answers the door, it's a creepy little girl, creepy little girl, sir. She fucking lightning zaps him, and he goes flying into the stairs. And again, she's like on the the verge of laughing. Yeah. Um, it's 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 it is it is hilarious how goofy all the stuff with the little girl is. <laughs> um, and she's like creeping about the house, and she like goes to confront Ace as the doctor is 
going to confront what is a seemingly the last Dalek yeah. on the planet. Like, like it just got like the, everyone just left this one behind. <laughs> like all his mates left, and like no one told him that the war was over. Um, and you know the doctor is t- tells everybody that they're like this is like you're you know he's like, talking to the Dalek specifically. He's like, you know, you're gonna die. You're trapped. No one's here to save you. Like this is it. You're over. The Daleks are completely gone which causes this dalek to freak out and like as he's saying all this stuff we're like cutting back and forth between the dalek and the little girl which i think is some nice mirror shots um where it's like the doctor is actually speaking to the like possessed speaking of mirror shots she literally destroys a mirror because she She tries to kill ace but hits the mirror instead we need a bit the mirror we need a seven season big finish series spin-off about this little girl and her bad luck her seven years of bad luck after this episode (laughs) that's true that's true we do need that um but like then the like the dalek starts like spinning really 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 fast and uh, like albeit like it's a pretty cool looking effect like uh, i think it looks pretty rad and as i'd like because they started manipulating the color as well so things look a bit more like green and yellow uh but as as like that dalek is spinning and freaking out the little girl starts spinning and freaking out and screaming and then like that dalek like full-on like explodes into dust uh and the little girl just kind of breaks down crying uh and ace goes to to comfort her and the doctor's like aha ashes to ashes dust to dust and he like blows the dust off his umbrella which i thought was more like i think you're trying too hard yeah cool um (laughs) Um, so this scene the confusion confusing the Dalek came around because the original script had a subplot where the Doctor also got the finger of Omega which he would use against the Black Dalek and Christ. destroy it. Uh, some sources say that Sylvester cut it because he didn't like the Doctor being violent which tracks from when he was supposed to have the rocket but gave it to Ace instead. And Andrew Morgan said he changed it because he didn't... Uh, sorry, he because the idea of taking talking a Dalek into self-destruction was more fun, which I'm not really sure how the scene played. I'm not sure how the scene makes sense because (laughs) I don't know why you need the scene at all, honestly. Yeah. Um, But I guess it's there just to wrap up the spooky little girl storyline, which does need wrapping up. But yeah, causing a Dalek to explode just by talking to it is a bit weird (laughs) because the Dalek isn't a robot, you know? This is like a yeah. This is like a famous like, TV trope. You can't, of... Yeah, yeah. You you can't logic trap a yeah. Dalek because it's it's a it's an organic being. It's not a, an mm-hmm. AI or a robot that runs purely off logic. Like it runs like the the Daleks run off an emotion, and that emotion is yeah. hatred. If you've got a Dalek, that's the last Dalek. It's gonna go. Well, I'm the ultimate Dalek. Fuck everybody. I'm gonna kill everything. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh but like the episode continues anyway as they're at some like random funeral i suppose for one of the many people that died i think it's Um, mike's funeral yeah and also the doctor sorry there's some great shots of just mike lying dead with his eyes open which is they're very funny grim (laughs) which is also it's also grim because you don't often see eyes open when people die on screen yeah um but uh they uh the doctor's like, well, let's let's just run away, Ace. Let's just leave, like, let's ditch his funeral. It's a bummer. And Ace is like, did we do the right thing, killing all those Daleks and stuff? And the doctor's like, ah, well, probably. We'll find out. <laughs> and then the episode just kind of ends. Uh, the weird ending to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh and that that is that is um whatever this story was called remembrance resurgence <laughs> remembrance of the daleks genocide no just remembrance of the daleks um and i thought it was fun i think it's a really fun episode of doctor who it's it's a decent sylvester mccoy episode there's some fun i like the the themes that they present throughout mm-hmm. the episode and the, the the like overarching metaphors and stuff like that uh, I wasn't super sucked into it as far as stories go. I don't think it's the, my favorite classic Who episode or classic Who story that I've seen uh, this year that we've covered. Um, but I had a I had a good time with it. There, there's some silly stuff. The little yeah. girl silly stuff really <laughs> takes me out. Like like that's like I'm full on laughing when that whenever she's electrocuting people like Palpatine. Um, <laughs> but you know, besides that, it's a it's a it's yeah. a really solid story. I think. Yeah, this this must be like my tenth, eleventh time watching this story because it's one of those classes they just keep coming back to, and every time I enjoy the hell out of it. And this time is no different. It's the first classic Doctor Who story I loved, so it's always got a special place for me. Um, this time around, I really appreciate the metaphors more than I did as a kid because obviously I'm an adult. Basically, I'm mostly an adult. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> but yeah, um, considering this episode was written by a 25-year-old, and this is his first ever TV job, <laughs> it's impressive. Yeah, like, it's insane. It's crazy. You can tell that some things came to him later, like the reveal of Davros or the reveal of Little Girl as a twist, and some and some character revelations like that, and he c- couldn't quite figure out what he wanted to do. I think some plot elements are a bit muddled because I'm not 100% sure of what's going on in the story at all times. It, it gets kind of muddled and character motivations sometimes don't make sense, but again, considering this is his first time writing television, it's understandable. They took a massive risk getting this guy to write the episode. 25 years old, no experience, and he wrote one of, one of the episodes that's considered one of the best episodes of all time in the show impressive like and it really holds up i've really enjoyed this episode and i'm glad we chose because I've, I've, I've been planning getting around to this episode since the podcast first started but i needed a special occasion to do the episode <laughs> in so i'm glad it finally came and i'm glad we watched remembrance of the daleks great performances great writing great direction good fun time i recommend it to anyone yeah no it, it was it's definitely worth watching i definitely think it's worth watching it was very enjoyable um but that is the end of this episode next week is the end of the month so Mm -hmm. we will be looking at all the news there's been a little bit of news some some reveals have been happening but uh nothing too earth shattering for us like nothing that's getting us super excited some people are really fucking insanely excited (laughs) about um really like not important reveals but uh you know we'll we'll discuss all that next week with the news and then after that coming in august it is time to start New Who Amazing. as we are looking at Doctor Who chronologically this year. We have now finished Sylvester McCoy. Uh, we have covered Paul McGann's yeah. Doctor Who movie, which one day I feel like we should revisit. Oh, yeah. But not not anytime soon because that was a like almost five hour long podcast. <laughs> so if you want to listen to that, I recommend going back and listening to it. It's like our fourth or fifth episode. It's a spectacular, extremely deep dive into that movie. Uh, which I adore, and I convinced Scott that it's very good yeah, as well. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, uh, but uh, we are going to be starting with Bad Wolf, 
come uh, August time, so look forward to that. I certainly am looking forward to that. It's been so long since we covered New Who uh, on the podcast. I mean, it's not been that long. We did Father's Day like a few weeks yeah. ago, but before that, <laughs> it's been ages. But <laughs> uh, so look forward to that. And until then, we will see you next time. Uh, oh, I've got a heap of goodbyes to do. What am I doing? Follow us on Facebook at uh, Who Watches Who. Uh, we're still on Twitter for some reason at Watches Doctor. We have a we have a Threads page that I haven't done anything with, yeah. and we have an Instagram that we haven't done anything with. Uh, <laughs> we're Watches Doctor, I think, on there or something, or Who Watches Who or something. Uh, I don't remember what our things are, but like, don't worry about that yet. We'll we'll sort that out in a later date. Uh, you can find me on Threads at Read Matthew. Uh, that's the only social media that I'm really public on at the mm-hmm. minute. Yeah, um, any youtube channel you oh i do yeah i have a i have a i have a new channel that i started with my friend sean it's called psychedelic gaming hobos where we are it's it's essentially just ripping off game grumps you know i figured there wasn't enough <laughs> you know t- white guys playing video games on youtube and so i was like we need to add to that pile it's a really like unrepresented market <laughs> um so I, I think it's been pretty fun so far we've been playing through sonic and the stanley parable and also amnesia are the first games that we're playing through and they're 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 interesting games um but that's a uh, psychedelic gaming hobos i recommend giving that a sub and a watch um, so do i for so some do pretty I. pretty chill time uh but other than that uh i think i've covered everything yeah. extensively uh we will see you next week Bye. same bat time same bat channel <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>